Mikey, we are at the Westwood One Studios, going to do a uh, podcast with Jared Flash Gordon, and I'm uh, I'm faking energy because we're recording this podcast the day after we all went to see Blackberry Smoke at Irving Plaza, and I got to tell you, Mikey, I'm hurting a little bit today. I'm hurting too, Walt. We're hurting. I had to get up at 7.30 in the morning. To, at 6.30 in the morning, I'm hurting. Really? Yeah, because yeah, you don't really drink uh, that much either, right? No, I'm trying to be a healthy guy. We went out last night for one beer. What? That, that turned into beers and margaritas. Yeah. Some burgers. Yeah. And then blackberry smoke. Yeah, it, it was an amazing day. The uh, The podcast with Blackberry Smoke's doing very well, and we got to check out the show after the fact, and uh, and they killed. But between the podcast and them playing at Irving Plaza, we all decided we needed something uh, to eat. You uh, told me that Pete's Tavern was right around the corner, and uh, Pete's Tavern is where Ron the Waiter is, who's a very, very funny waiter. He's uh, he's a guy trying to make it in, in show business, and it's not going well for him, so he is uh, a waiter at Pete's Tavern, and me and Carl, the, the Mad Cuban, we did a, uh, a pop-up uh, from Pete's Tavern. That was sort of what I was doing before the podcast. I was I was experimenting with this this concept of doing a podcast out and about uh, all over the place. And uh, we used to just, you know, do it live on Facebook and YouTube and all that horse shit. And uh, one of the places was uh, Pete's Tavern where we met Ron the Waiter. It's on my YouTube channel if you want to check it out. It was really, really funny. Now we'll give you a little taste right here. Uh, I tell you, I, I make a mean Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> Right there, the guy right there with the mustache next to the girl with the red. That's not Louis C.K. That's, that's Louis C.K., right? Well, we'll know if you would touch his dick. Okay. Yeah. And I'm Carl. Uh, Carl. I'm Ron. So listen, I mean, I, I, I know your career, so you. I, I mean, Bobby, you probably have a few bucks put away. You need like a houseboy or something? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I guess so maybe some nice like daisy dudes. Oh, you know what I mean? I look like I look like sausage wrapped in rope. <laughs> You're a food guy. You get that? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> It just got weird. <laughs> but we went there, and uh, Ron wasn't working, so now we're like, fuck, man. So we, we grabbed the booth, and then uh, I'm looking at the menu. We're all looking at the menu, and we're like, you know what? The food doesn't seem that great here. Well, then we said, if we want burgers, let's go to Joe Jr.'s two right. blocks away for the best burger in Manhattan. I said that. <laughs> the Cuban uh, turned me on to, what is it called? Joe Jr.'s. Joe Jr.'s. And he basically said, this is the best hamburger in all of uh, Manhattan. And it's just a down and dirty diner with a lot of old people. For for a place that has pretty much the best burger in New York City, people don't seem to know about it for whatever reason. So we, uh, we sat at Pete's Tavern and we started drinking and... Uh, Stupid me, I'm like, I'll have some margaritas because uh, fucking Ron White, love Ron White, Vic Kenley's friend and now my friend, you know, he's uh, pretty much a raging alcoholic. Let me tell you something, folks. You can't fix stupid. I think he would admit that. And uh, he w- he's got his own tequila and all that. And he told me he switched to tequila because the hangovers are much different. Well, They're not open? as bad. <laughs> Uh, I'm here to say that it's still a fucking brutal hangover. It's just a little different. You don't get much of the headache, but you get this. Uh, I, I'm sluggish. I'm uh, tired. Uh, my voice is shot. Uh, but you don't get like that uh, uh, depression after you drink a lot the next day. Yeah, then you get. That's sweats. what Ron White said. He yeah. goes, "Yeah, you, you know, you don't feel as depressed the next day after drinking tequila all night." 
Well, so, you, you don't feel as fat because you feel bloated. I drank beer all night. I felt bloated the whole morning. Oh, did you, Mikey? I did. The pizza ale hurt me. Are you one of those guys that notices when you get bloated? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I woke up. I, I took a shower. I look in the mirror. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm bloated, man. I don't like it. Yeah, were your eyes a little swollen and, and your fingers and your joints? Yeah. And my, I were you retaining <laughs> some water? I was. I was. Oh, right. <laughs> Jesus. Um... I, I had like four margaritas, and then you guys, because I, I learned uh, on the last podcast that you you simply don't like um, uh, music. Yeah, I, I, and I'm not one of those guys who are anti music. I just never listen to it ever. Right. right. I, I'll listen to sports talk. Yeah. And just podcasts all day. No, I haven't listened to music. Listen, if it's on in the car, or whatever. I don't drive. Yeah. But if it's on the background, but I haven't. I don't even have like Pandora or Spotify, nothing on my phone. You're a sick person. You you understand that, no, right? I, I have a lot of issues. I'm aware. I'm fully aware of that. I mean, if if you don't like music, you're a sick person. Yeah, I, I know that. Because that's like the soundtrack to, to life. Yeah, and people are like, oh, when you want to get pumped up for a game, even when I'm on the treadmill, yeah. I listen to a podcast. Like it's, yeah, I don't listen. There's no music that gets me hyped up. And I'm a big sports guy. You don't do those sports jam songs? No, no. <laughs> No, you're not even into that stuff. Sports gyms. How about a good organ? No, nothing, man. Nothing? Nothing. And 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 you discovered this at what age that you hated music? You didn't like music? When I was younger, it was just always listening to sports on the radio, right. sports talk, right. and then regular talk radio. Yeah. And I just never got into it. It never you know, fed my soul and, oh, listen to the lyrics of this. I just never got any of that. And so, so you simply don't care when you hear music. Don't care. I, there's times I'll go months without even listening to a song. I don't even realize it. That is, oh my God, you are sick. It's bizarre. Like, who are your favorite bands? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I know Billy Joel and The Doors I like, but Nirvana, Foo right. Fighters, but I don't right. know anything current right. ever. Right. Nothing. But you sort of like those bands. Yo, I do. Like, I know most Billy Joel songs. Right. What's your favorite Billy Joel song? Um... Forever Young. It's me and my mom's song. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God. <laughs> but that's what I mean. What's I up, brother? What's up? Come on in, man. What's going on? My buddy Ryan. Yeah, right on. Jared, what's up, Jared, bro? what's up, man? Hey, buddy. How are you? Welcome. Nice Sit down, please. We're... Uh, we're we're hurting today because we we were hanging out with uh, Blackberry uh, Smoke. So yeah, is his mic on there? Jared Flash Gordon is a, is is a tough dude, man. He's a tough dude. Yeah, no, we're hurting. So I'm making believe like I'm wide awake and have a lot of energy. I'm not I'm not a big uh, partier, but last night we uh, we podcasted with um, uh, Blackberry Smoke, okay. and then we uh, then we went out for drinks. And then we went back and uh, checked out uh, the band. Do you know Blackberry Smoke yeah, at all? No, <laughs> you got to you got to eat that mic. I I, I asked Westwood One uh, okay. for new mics, and they they said no, these are good enough. <laughs> and right, right off the bat, we're learning once again they're not good enough. So all right, yeah. Uh, what kind of music you like? If if uh, if you don't mind me asking, rock and hip hop. Like what kind of rock? Tools, my favorite. Tools, yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. get along, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Maynard is the man, dude. Absolutely, yeah. perfect circle, obviously. Right, perfect. I don't really like push for that much. Well, I like other band, Oh man, you you're putting me on the spot. That but they have that one song that I. Uh, uh, Chevelle. Nah, uh, how does it go? Uh, I don't know. Oh my god, this is gonna drive me nuts. I, I never get, really listened to them. I don't know why. It just like, right. Didn't no, well, it's work very for me. it's very different than Tool. And Perfect Circle, that's why, probably. Yeah. Have you seen Tool in concert? I did when I was like 13 with my father and my brother in uh, Madison Square Garden. It was like 
insane. Yeah, but like he's you know he's crazy. Yeah. So like everyone, the whole band was up front, and he's yeah. behind everyone. Yeah. On a platform in like this one piece suit, <laughs> yeah. and he didn't move. Right. So I'm like, what the hell? Like I thought he was gonna be, but well, that's why he's good enough. That's why I brought it up because I saw Tool once, and the same thing. Same thing. He, he's he's way in the back yeah. by himself, no spotlight on Nothing. him. I think he's I think he was in the back to the right, and the rest mm-hmm. of the band was front and center. And I it, think he does he does that on purpose. So he doesn't want to be like. Act like he's the center of attention, I guess. Uh, no, he knows he's the center of attention. Well, he knows he is, but maybe he doesn't want to be like... I think he's one of those guys that likes fucking with people and oh, yeah. fucking with his own audience. Don't he's, you think? He's really talented. Uh, he's incredibly talented. Yeah. You know the Bill Hicks uh, connection with Tool? Mm-mm. Where they were huge fans of Bill Hicks. And, oh, yeah. and, uh, and they, uh, yeah, they uh, Arizona Bay, you know the song Arizona Bay? Uh-huh. That's a Bill Hicks routine uh-huh. that Tool sang. Oh, wow. They loved Bill Hicks. Uh, you know who Bill Hicks is? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Bill Hicks at all. One of the greatest uh, comedians of all time. Robert, okay. you know the, the tool Bill Hicks connection, don't you? I do not. Oh, I, fuck I just it. know who Bill Hicks is, but I don't know the connection. All right. Okay. Well, they, lo- they loved Bill Hicks, and they took one of his, uh, one of his bits and, and, and turned it into a song. Yeah, look it up there, Mikey, so you can give more of the details. So uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Me too. Uh, yeah, Mikey. Uh, Mikey said you got to talk to uh, Jared. You have to. He has one hell of a story to tell. And uh, do you want to walk through this again? Uh. Are you sick of walking <laughs> through this? And why is he laughing? Because he knows he's one of he's he's like he's almost got the same life story as me. So are you guys? He knows, uh, he knows what it's like to. Uh, Tell the story over and over, I guess. I understand, but it's yeah. such a great story. Uh, I mean, it's a great story because because you, you survived all of it, yeah. and you're trying to make something of yourself. And who yeah. is he, by the way? This is uh, like one of my best friends, Ryan. And did you guys grew up together? I, we've only known each other for what, like two years now? Yeah. But we like we're like besties now, you know? Right. Where did you guys yeah. meet? Uh, we met through someone in sobriety. Oh, okay. And uh, he lived like three blocks from me. Right. And that was it, man. Yeah. Now we're like boyfriend and girlfriend almost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna ask. <laughs> it doesn't go that far, but but we we became really good friends. And um, I don't know, you know how like you meet someone and there's just like okay. instant connection. Through, yeah, we've been through a lot of the same things. And uh, yeah, Ryan um, Ryan's been through hell and back. Right. His story is like it may top mine actually. It's pretty ridiculous. I mean, we have different stories, but it's. Like the depths of hell that he has visited, I like. Yeah, yeah. We were we were walking around in hell together for sure, at uh, certain times. And you guys are both sober now, or yes, for how long? If you don't mind me asking, I'll be sober for three years on the twenty seventh of December. So me talking about getting fucked up on uh, margaritas last night. I don't give a fuck, dude. You're, oh, you're not one of those I'm guys. Not a curse. I can curse on here. Please curse. You can punch, yeah, yeah. You can punch holes in the walls. I don't care what. <laughs> I don't care. Ah, uh, no, dude. Yeah, because I'm. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of uh, the partying, to be honest with you. But uh, every okay. once in a while, I'll, I'll dip in, well, and then yeah. I, you wake up the next day and go, "What? You know, this is ridiculous." And Why? I got I got two small kids, and you know now my wife's got to work twice as hard today as I'm just <laughs> slumbering around the house like a loser. 
I just don't like it. I get it. I mean, you know, you deserve it, though. You work hard, and every once in a while, you enjoy yourself, right? Well, I'd rather enjoy myself in other ways than, you know, getting shit-faced, to be honest with you. I'm a big... Uh, you're from Long Island originally, right? Originally, yeah. Yeah, so I do a lot of surf casting, a lot of fishing. Okay. and that's right. That's my love. I, I love getting away and just doing that. That I would much rather do that than sit with these idiots over there and drink the, my face off. Well, you don't have to drink anymore if you don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So uh, where do we begin, man? And you're, oh, I mean, I got a good I, question. Well, I got a whole sheet. We could go line I mean, by line. If you line. want to hit some points, and we could we can go. Well, you grew up uh, in Roslyn Heights, Long Island. It's it's Jared Flesh Gordon, of course, and uh, and you were 12 in 2001. I'm just going to read this one. And your father's store in Astoria uh, blew up, and three firefighters died. Yes, and it was called the Father's Day Fire. Yeah. And why did your family uh, lose millions on that one? Well. And, and what happened? Could you walk me through that? Yeah, so it was Father's Day, 2001. Right. And uh, so there was these two kids and, a, and uh, their father, they lived in an apartment, in an illegal apartment that backed the store of my father's, uh, my father's company. Right. And the kids were doing something called fire graffiti back there on my father's, the back of the, of the building. And you put like gasoline on the wall, then you spray paint over it. And you light it on fire, and the the spray paint actually burns into the into the brick. Okay. So you can't remove it with like turpentine. You have right. to actually remove the brick, whatever. So they kicked over the gas can, and um, it rolled down a ramp of the loading dock. Right. And it rolled under this huge metal door that leads into the the back of the loading dock, and it's a, it was a really old building. It was it was it's been there. It was there from like. 18 somewhere in the late 1800s like really late and um it the gas traveled and there was a uh, a boiler and there was a water pilot yeah and uh whoever installed the 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 boiler which was installed like in the 50s didn't do it by code it was supposed to be installed on a platform between 24 and 36 inches off the floor right whoever installed it installed it four inches off the floor so the water pilot was like touching the floor basically so when the gasoline rolled towards the water pilot the fumes came up and poof it started a fire wow so now it was a small fire but there was thousands of aerosol cans and liquids and everything flammable that you can imagine in that yeah in, in that, that basement. area right. so um what happened was the fire the fdny came and they came through the back first where the fire was. And uh, so now the, that back door is open. And they're in there and they're trying to put out the fire. The fire is getting bigger. And there's uh, tons of pressure being created in the, in the basement. And the, uh, the firemen actually heard tops of the, the cans like popping, like pop, 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 pop. And all their gas was, being, was leaking out of the cans. Like they could actually see the cans Right, the caps and all the the uh, flammable gas is flowing into the room. So now the firemen are on the street level, and they're breaking through the front of the door, the front door. You know everything's closed. It was Father's Day, so there's like metal gates, and you know it's a it's a store, uh, it's a building in Long Island City. So they break through, they get in, and they run into the on the first floor, and they go to open the basement door, and they created a backdraft. Holy which, shit! Which like I don't know how like right. I don't know how they didn't see that coming. They're they know that they're in a basement with the back door open. So when they open that right that top level, it created like a wind tunnel. Sure, and that gust that that air just. And the whole front of the store just 
wow. exploded. So like 60-something guys got injured. Three of the men got caught under the rubble. Like 12 or 13 guys got like seriously injured. And uh, three guys, uh, they got caught under there and they they, they, <laughs> they died. And we were, I remember, you know, we were there watching and, and Giuliani was there. And uh, Peter Valone, right? Peter yeah, Vallone. sure, I know that. Peter Valone was there, right? And, uh, and I remember, man, it was like the whole neighborhood was out watching. This is Father's Day, so everyone's home. Like the whole the, the place imploded, you know. Wow. It shook the city blocks. Like you could you could hear it from miles away. Yeah, and uh, and it was a it was a terrible day, man. <laughs> and my father, you know, like that was his him uh, my what, uncle and my father's business. What kind of business was it? It was a wholesale hardware company. Oh, okay. So, um, and you know, like over the course of the couple of days, like we're trying to like get everything, like, you know, collect invoices and there was a safe in there and, you know, there, there was still like a lot of stuff that wasn't like, uh, that didn't burn. It was still usable. And, uh, so we're like trying to collect it all. And I remember like the NYPD and the firemen were looking at us like, like it was our fault there and they were stealing shit right in front of us, like gloves or axes like anything that they could use and they were just loading it into the fire trucks and to the back of the their their cop cars and they were just smi- like smirking at us like like it was our fault wow. so uh it was fucked up man it was fucked up and i remember my dad dude like him and his brother so my my grandfather owned the business right he bought the store from it was a mom and pop hardware store he bought it from another my my father's i don't know why i Another Jewish guy. <laughs> my father's a Jew. So uh, they bought it. He bought it. And then my brother, my uh, my father and his brother took it over. And they turned it into a multi-million dollar, you know, uh, wholesale company. They delivered to all the boroughs. Yeah. And uh, they do. They have a retail store. They had a retail store. So they lost it all, man. Uh, they didn't have insurance? They had insurance. And they still lost it so, all? I mean, insurance covered some of it, the right. plan that they had, but uh, they lost most of their inventory. Like, right. They had way more inventory than that the, that the insurance couldn't cover. So they only, whatever. So hypothetically, there was $500,000 in insurance. They had $2 million gotcha. in inventory. So they lost all that extra inventory. Um, Did the city go after your dad and your so uncle? They tried, so no. So what happened was, was the widows came after right. uh, the city. Yeah, New York City and my my father right. Rob, Rob and Randy Gordon. Okay, so uh, it took thirteen years, man, to, all to the settle de- everything. The de- the, yeah, the trial, the the depositions, everything. Like, dude, they had they had uh, scientists come from NASA, the insurance company. Uh, so my father's the boiler company is called A.O. Smith. Have you ever heard of A.O. Smith? Uh, a huge boiler company, whatever. Yeah, okay, so and then the widows. Their insurance, their light, whatever, whoever they hired, they had scientists come to prove how the fire happened and how it like traveled and the, and you know, it was the NY, it was the FDNY's, it was their fault. Yeah. Like, they should have known they, they created a backdraft. Right. So um, at the end of it, they got $2 million from my father's insurance company and $12 million from from A.O. Smith, which is the boiler company. Wow. Which they were able to prove somehow that. They they, they were the, faulted. Yeah, they were that, faulted. Yeah, that it was uh, installed. So they were trying to wrong. yeah, they were trying to get my dad though because it was an old building. There was no sprinkler system, so they were trying to pin it on him. They were trying to say that we had propane tanks in the basement, which 
apparently is illegal, and we did have them down there, but we always pass inspection with an A. We never, yeah. ever failed an inspection. And then there was also a fire door in the store halfway between the basement, and you're supposed to close it. But there was like a dowel in the fire door that, that was still there after the fire. They were able to find the dowels this big. Wow. That was in the door. So they, the firemen were actually trying to shut it, and they didn't realize that there was something. So you can imagine in this panic, the, there's a huge fire. Yeah. It's about to explode, and they're trying to shut the, the fire door, but they couldn't because there was a dowel. So they were trying to get my dad on that, but they couldn't. Whatever, it didn't work out. And uh, they were they were coming. They wanted 180 million dollars. The widows. Wow. I mean, obviously you go big and yeah, of course, get less. But uh, they got 14 million dollars between the injured firemen and the uh, what? The a, what a tragedy, man! Did, did your yeah. your dad ever uh, come back from that? So yeah, they. Well, that's why my father also he had to take all his savings, buy a new building. They built. They bought a lot down the block, and they got really unlucky. They bought a they bought a gas station lot. They bought it. They were going to start building, and the environmental department walks in. Oh, we want to test the ground. Every for, for like hundreds of feet down, the soil is contaminated with. Wow! With, so they had to spend loads of money cleaning it, and yeah, yeah. They still come and test the soil through a drain, like some sort of drain in the basement of my father's building. Yeah. To this day, they're still testing it to see if they could find more. And if they do, they would have to like. I don't know what they would do. But. So it seems like the city is keeping a close eye on your dad <laughs> ever since. Yeah. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So. Man, I, I didn't uh, expect all that from that story. That's, yeah. cr- that's crazy. It was actually the deadliest fire in New York City since 1969. Yeah. And then 9-11 happened three months later, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And that actually like saved my dad and my uncle because the focus was on them. The right. FDNY, the, right, right. all the injured cops, all the every, and then also 9-11 happens and they just... That got like swept under the carpet. They forgot about it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, which is fucked up. Right? It, it is. Well, it's an interesting concept because yeah. I've talked about it uh, in the past. You know, it was a tragedy that what happened on nine eleven. Oh yeah. But there was probably, man, I don't know if I should say this. Mike, help me out. But there were probably some really terrible people that died. In that? that died oh, yeah. in nine eleven. That sure. and, and I'm going to be careful how I say this, but this is what happens in every tragedy. That probably there were some people out there that could say their lives actually got uh, much better beca- oh, yeah. because of Businesses, that incredible tragedy, of- right? And I'm not I'm not making light of it. Trust oh, no. me, I know I know plenty of people that that died that day and uh, were friends with people that lost parents and all that. But uh, you know, in every tragedy, there's like. Let's just say maybe a, maybe a child molester or something, and now yeah. he, and now he's gone, and yeah. and he can't do his shit anymore. And the only reason that all went down was because you know because uh, uh, 9-11. So yeah. uh, anyway, but that's just the, the the tip of the iceberg of your story oh, there, yeah. Jared. That wasn't even like yeah yeah. That was actually like kind of like so. I mean, I don't know. So before talking about child molestation, I was actually raped as a. Well, yeah, that's, I, that was like part of the, yeah, I was the gonna, pinnacle of the. Uh, that wasn't my segue, but, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, and I know, and I know that. Well, you brought it up, right? So I might no, well I, I was actually shed gonna, light on it. I was actually before we got to that because that happened when you were nine years old. I yeah. was, uh, you started smoking pot around the same time, right? Yeah, eight or, eight or nine years old. Nine. Well, so right after that, yeah, nine, nine, yeah, nine. Now I got a kid that's uh, is eight. T- is eight and boy I can't, or girl? A uh, boy, and I can't imagine a year from weed. now that he's going to be smoking weed. You gotta, yeah. you gotta walk me through that now. So, I mean, did, were you? Uh, how about this? All right, uh, I mean, there's so much to talk to you about that I'm trying to like, kind of like yeah, yeah. Uh, shape it in my head. What kind of childhood did you have? It oh, was, dude, it was so, like perfect uh, or or ideal. So I was like, 
I was I was I grew up in the North Shore of Long Island in Roslyn Heights, which right. is like a really like you know, affluent neighborhood, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have to like ask for like I didn't need anything, you know. Um, I mean, like we had household issues. My father was like a drug addict, drunk, whatever, and right. you know he cheated on my mom and all that cool stuff. Yeah, and uh, you know they were like pot, they were like hippies, you know, like they would smoke weed, and so that's how we found the weed. Yeah. Uh, we had like family friends that were a little older than us, like 12, 13, 14 years old, and they were started smoking weed, and but we hung out with them every day. Yeah, you know, me and my older brother, and um. That's how it happened. We started smoking weed with them. Did you find your dad's stash? Your Eve- stash? Eventually, yeah. Really? And uh, so we would, you know, steal their weed and smoke it. And unfortunately, like, my brother was uh, two years older than me, so he was 11, which is still young, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was the little brother. And, like, for him, like, he was like, all right, you know, you're smoking with me. And so that's how that's how it happened. That's how it started for me. Yeah. Do you remember that, that first time? Yeah, the first time I remember, I'm like, I don't know what the... F- Right. I was doing. Yeah. But um, shortly after that, I was getting high. Yeah. Just like that. Just like and that, were, man. And you were off and running. I was smoking weed every day by the time I was 11, 12 years old, every day. See, I was selling weed at 12 years old. That's what's scary. In a Jewish, like, rich in a Jewish neighborhood. neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone had money, so it was easy. <laughs> right. I don't mean to laugh at that. Yeah. But, yeah. No, it's funny. Uh, I mean, you got to kind of find the humor in some of this stuff, or, or it'll, it'll fucking yeah. eat you I away, mean, right? Yeah. I mean... So it was normal to me, man. Well, with addiction, you know, with some people, it just takes that one time and it. and it's over. I had arrived. That's what, like, I knew it. I was like, this is this is my this is going to be my life. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. I'm supposed to get high. And and you're, you're and saying like, this at nine years party. old. That's what the thought. I remember thinking to myself, like, I want to experience every substance. Oh really? Yeah. When so, I was a young kid, I remember think. I remember, like, you know, like you go to like health class or whatever in school. Yeah. And like I remember, like the teacher was like, "Who can name drugs for me?" And I'm like, I raised my hand. I named like every drug, and he's like, he's like, "How the fuck did you? How do you know what PCP is? Like, yeah. How do you know?" It? And I'm like, ah, oh. I re- I thought everyone knew. So uh, did you go uh, from pot to the cocaine or? Yeah. Drink, well, drinking, drinking at pot. Same age, nine, ten, like eleven. I was like addicted to Xanax. At twelve, <laughs> yeah, I knew what Xanax, Valium, Clonopin, everything was at that point. Yeah. Thirteen, I was like sniffing cocaine. Like I was like, uh, everyone was. All my friends were though. That's what was weird. See, it was, at thirteen, it was so we're in this rich neighborhood. Everyone's got money. Yeah, all the kids are fucking dis- like functionally disabled. Yeah, like everyone's got like fucked up families. Right, right. But they all got money. Yeah, and all the and we're friends with all the older kids. It was a really small school, so like all the older kids, like you know the, the kids that were wheeling and dealing, they're selling to all the younger kids, and we're all friends. So everyone's like at house parties, getting high together. So you figure like, oh, rich people, rich na-, like no one gets high, no one does drugs. Everyone's doing drugs and getting high. Yeah, and. And it was weird. Like when I moved to Queens, I was like, if the kids in in Nassau are this fucked up, when I moved to Queens, these kids are going to be murderers. I went there and no one was even knew like what drugs. Like at my age, like they were like, so where they were like good kids. Why do you think that your neighborhood, your rich neighborhood out there, was everyone in that whole area that I was in, man, was like that? Like so weird because I, I mean, I I grew up in Huntington, and I mean, we're we obviously have an age difference here, but it wasn't a pill thing when I was growing up. It was pills and cocaine. It was a lot of drinking, and then you know when I hit eighteen, yeah, the the cocaine was everywhere in college, and but the pills. 
That's a newer thing. Yeah. I mean, as far as between my generation and your generation. Yeah, I think like, you know, all the, the, the housewives, you know, and the fathers, they all take pills. Or you have a medicine cabinet full of pills. And, yeah. And like your kid goes through it and then that's. I, I mean, I have a, a theory when they changed the drinking age. You know, people now weren't going out to the bars and at 18 and drinking and stuff. And, they, you know, you're a kid. You still want to get hired yeah. and do s- some shit. And that's when I think people start, just started looking into the medicine cabinets. Yeah. I mean. Right? Of course. Like, because we just, we just didn't, we didn't have that going on when I was uh, growing up. Yeah, right? it was. When I look back at it, I'm like, wow. Right. How the hell did that happen? Right. And wh- where were your weird. parents? Did, were they, they were there. Were they aware? Sorry. So I have like the greatest parents. Like, right. They are they are like f- awesome fucking people. They've been through hell and back also. And uh, and yeah, they were like, you know, like they enabled us. But then they were like, you know, when shit started getting real bad for me and my older brother, um, you know, they did the tough love thing. It's either you're going to get help or you're going to get the fuck out. Right. And that's what it came down to. And uh but like we had great parents. Like my parents have been there for me through thick and thin. Like through everything I've ever been through, they've never turned their backs on me. And like you know, like when we were younger, I was we were smoke weed with my parents. Like when we were like twelve, thirteen. Oh, we you were, were, oh, you were one of those. Yeah, yeah. I had like parents that were really down to earth, and they were like super open. And like my mom would you know? freak out if we came home with like uh, you know alcohol on our breath. Yeah, freak I mean they the weren't like out. I can't imagine sitting there and drinking and uh, getting high with my parents. Yeah, I came from a very strict family. I mean that shit was not gonna yeah, not go me. down, man. Not me, dude. Yeah, I like they wanted to be like cool parents. But, like, I think we thought that it meant that we could, like, do anything. Yeah. But they, they weren't, like, they didn't want us to just do whatever the fuck we wanted to do. Yeah, I understand. But that's where me and my brother took it. I was like, oh, we're smoking weed with our parents. That means we could, like, shoot heroin, too. What what what, like, what age were you uh, smoking with your parents? 12. I remember my cousin's wedding. We were in California in, like, Santa Barbara or something. And uh, the whole wedding was smoking weed, dude. And I was in, like, middle school. And we're all smoking, and, drinking. And your parents are in the room. Yeah, we're smoking. My mom's passing me the bowl. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. If you met my parents, you'd be like, wow, your parents are fucking awesome. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. I'm not judging. We were, no, no, I'm just saying. I, trust me, I'm not yeah, judging. Yeah. No, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Judge me or not. It doesn't yeah, matter to me. But I, I really am not. It's just an amazing. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, and uh, when was the first time you went into rehab? I was tw- 20 or 21. Oh, so from 12 to 21, you... Oh, yeah, I was... So, like, so I was using all those drugs, but, like, I never really, like, I mean, I was, I started getting in trouble when I was, like, 14. I got arrested, and then I started getting arrested more. But uh, once I, I, you know, I never really did painkillers. Yeah. And once I started doing painkillers, that's when shit started getting bad. And then I started getting to Oxycontin and stronger opiates, and uh, that's when stuff started to really slide downhill for me. What did you get arrested for the first time? Assault. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I was 14. And, and, uh-huh. did, did you fuck him up? It was like more of like a, uh, this kid stole my bike. Right. And I saw him and I was with my friends and he didn't know that I knew that he stole my bike. Yeah. And so we like jumped him, me and my two friends and yeah, we beat the shit out of him. We got arrested. It wasn't that bad though. We got like, yeah, I got like six months uh, probation. Right. And you didn't yeah. learn your lesson at that point. I thought it was like fucking awesome. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that kid. <laughs> I thought that's like what life was about, like being like an idiot. Yeah. I don't know. Right. I had a really warped, really warped uh, m- like thought process. 
Like everything was like. No, they explain that. I don't know. I'm fucked up, dude. My brain's fucked up. Right. Especially as a kid, I thought like. Was it the pot though? That made you th- think mm, some weird shit, or I don't know. I'm probably also like born half retarded. Like, not to sound like <laughs> no, not, not. no, no offense to you know, no, I, retarded I, I, people, but I think like I was like um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just fucked up. Can I stop you with the retarded thing? Like it drives me nuts because I I, I respect retarded people. Yeah, I know, I know. That's why but, I said but, I'm, but, no offense no, to retarded people. But. No, we were just going over this the other day, but I, I'm I'm one of these guys that is like we should be able to use some of these words still. It doesn't mean yeah, that yeah. it's like you know fuck retarded people. I know, I, I hate I, that. Like, I feel bad for well, anyone that has a mentally d- disabled, uh, you know, person in their, <laughs> in their family. But uh, yeah, but yeah. then you use the word retarded, know, and, they think and then they think you're a monster. I know. I said something the other day. It was like uh, such a petty word, and they were like, "Oh my!" The person was like, "How could you say that?" And I was like, right. are you "Fucking kidding me!" Yeah. You're really. Uh. So you think the painkillers was uh, what? that was like. That was what. That's when you were completely so that, out of control. That's what like turned into like my drug of choice. Right. So like uh, obviously I was already I knew I was already a drug addict and an alcoholic and didn't it start with an injury though uh, the painkiller yeah it hurt my neck doing training what? training yeah at this point were you uh, uh, training I started fighting when I was seventeen really I had my first amateur fight wow. two thousand seven yeah and uh, did so I, did training uh, give you a relief from the voices in your head and your foot like you said your your brain and 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 uh, and the uh, yeah it was definitely something that like I had a all right. So, you know what? I never really spoke to, about this before, but, like, I remember going to high school, and, and especially when I moved to Queens, I would take, like, the subway to school, and I'd have, like, my headphones on, I'd be listening to, like, 50 Cent or some shit like that. And I thought I was, like, the baddest motherfucker on the block. Yeah. And, uh, meanwhile, I'm just, like, a, like a white kid. And, uh, but I felt in my, in, like, my soul that, like, school wasn't for me. And I really felt like I had a, like, there was a higher purpose for me. And I always wanted to find what it was. So I thought, all right, it's, I thought at the time I thought it was about like making money and like having girls and like, you know, like all the stupid shit. Yeah. And like, so I was like, I'm going to like, like, I don't want to go to school. I'll just make money illegally and I'll like buy a business. I don't know what I was thinking or even, I don't even know if that's what I was thinking, but yeah. that's what it felt like. Like I had this thing where I was like, there's something bigger for me, but I didn't know what it was yet. And I was so warped to that. Like, I had no direction. There was no like positive in my in my life yet. So I, I and and I thought that like I was like I'm not going to go to school. This isn't for me. I don't want to go to college like everyone else. There's got to be something bigger for me. So I graduated high school. I was working in a I was going to I was going to ask you if you made it all the way to the end of Yeah, I graduated. You graduated. With, okay. With 65.1. All right, that's you, you graduated. <laughs> but, uh, hey, can I stop you for a second yeah. there cuz we're we're similar like my whole life growing up. I didn't go. I didn't go the uh, the the drug route, but I can relate to what you were saying. Like my dad said to me, he's like, "You've got to find something you really love to do because you're gonna do it for a long time." Mm-hmm. And the thought, and no offense to anyone out there, but the thought of me having an office job, I, I was like, I'd rather fucking be like homeless, just yeah. wandering around uh, the United States, than do that. I just felt like I'll say this: I felt just like you said that it wasn't for me, and exactly. I didn't know what I was gonna do. I I kind of like doing this this mm-hmm. radio thing, but there was no guarantees, mm-hmm. but. I knew it's like, fuck that. I'm going to try to do this because I, I really don't want to go to an office uh, and have a nine to five job. So I, I, can, I can relate to that. That man. was like my, exa- my And I don't exact... think there's anything wrong with that. No, no, no. Because I, I think either. a lot of kids, because I had a lot of friends growing up on Long Island and, and their parents were different than my dad. My dad was cool as fuck. And their parents were really strict and like, 
You go to this college, mm-hmm. you take this major because it's a safe major that's going to give you this job, right. and you're going to live in this neighborhood, and you're going to be married by 25 years old, and you're going to have two kids. Their life was set for them uh, by 15, 16 years old. That, that shit started. Miserable. And I and I, I see these guys from time to time, and, and they are miserable exactly. because they were never able to make their own uh, decisions yeah. in life. So uh, back to your, so, your story. No, there, sorry. Um, I'm talking to Jared Flesh Gordon, by the way. Uh, a fascinating dude who's 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 in the UFC. He's got a fight, I think, in December, right? Yeah, December fifteenth. Right on. All right, continue. So, um, so I just like had this like feeling in that like there's something bigger, whatever. So I graduated high school and uh, I actually got accepted to LIU somehow uh, in Brooklyn, and but I had found fighting that summer. I found MMA. And the, the UFC was getting really big. Like, the Ultimate Fighter was on TV, and that's what, like, set the UFC off was right. the Ultimate Fighter show. And, uh, and I remember I, was, I would watch it every night, and I was like, I fucking love this shit. Like, this is awesome. And I wrestled for, and boxed a little as a kid, so I had, like, a knack for it. And, and I loved being, like, physical. And so I remember I graduated, and I, I, I was, like, drinking tons of beer, and I got, like, fat. So I was like, I want to get in shape. But I don't I didn't want to, like, go lift weights in the gym. So... One, but I wanted to I wanted to box or do something. So I was actually at the time looking for like a boxing gym, and I was look, going to like Manhattan, and I'm like, this is too far. I'm not gonna come all the way to Manhattan just to go to a gym, yeah. Especially as a kid. But I walked out of the, the subway station on Steinway Street, and I'm like not paying attention. I look up, and there's a martial arts school, and it's called Combined Martial Arts, and it was home of uh, the Rhino Fight Team. That's where like Frankie Edgar, sure, a couple of guys uh, started training. And there was a Rhino fight team in Jersey and a Rhino fight team in Queens. And so I walked in there and I started boxing and I started doing jiu-jitsu and I fell in love with it immediately. Did you pick it up fast? Yeah, super fast. Four months later, I had my first amateur fight. Wow. And I fought and I won. Wow. And at first it was like just a bucket list thing. And how old were you around now? 17. 17, okay. And I was like, uh, this is it. Like, right. This is where I, I fought. I, I remember getting in the cage. I was a child, basically. I was fighting. I fought a 26-year-old, and I whipped his ass, and uh, that was it, man. I like, I that was the like. It was like it was like shooting heroin, right? Like the ultimate, the ultimate high, better than drugs, right? Yeah, I would assume you you shot heroin. <laughs> I mean, they're laughing in the other room. Why? Why laugh at that? That's my. That was, I wasn't even going to ask him about that. Course, I just assumed. Of course I did. How old were you when you did that? Started shooting heroin when I was twenty-two. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah. it's all right. It's interesting you just said that because it sounds like your st- your story now makes a drastic turn and you're on the right track. At seventeen, you fall in love with UFC, yeah. your training, but you, you still had uh, some serious yeah, right, serious so, problems to to get through. So I found something that right. I loved. Yeah, but I had like no intention of stopping what I was already doing. Like I wanted to do both. Right. I didn't know that to be a professional athlete, you can't do drugs right <laughs> oh okay <laughs> i found out later on so um i don't know mark mcguire did pretty well yeah all of them did actually. Oh, they're, quiet, they're quiet in that room over there what you don't think he did you, you don't think he did the steroids is that what's going on mike i brought uh brett farvray <laughs> Today's far, man. He's a right. He's a interesting character himself. Well, I, I didn't mind that the guys did the steroids in baseball because yeah. well, I, I don't. About I don't give pain, a fuck. Painkillers, <laughs> right? I don't give a fuck if you're hitting a 600 foot home run. That's exciting for me. I don't care that what should let them do it. Yeah, I, it makes the sport better. I don't care yeah. about them as people. They all did it. 
Why are you laughing at that, Robert? They don't care about you as a person. Exactly. No, it's just a great line. I like that. I'm, I'm serious. It, I don't disagree. You know, I don't know him personally, so I when I watch a sport and and if the drugs make him that much better, then fuck it. You should do it. it makes right. the performance it, better. Exactly. You're Although the UFC pain. is very strict very there. Strict. Okay, yeah. all right. So, um, where are we? Uh, well, you found something you love. So I found something I love. You're like 17. I had, yeah. you, won, you won your first fight. And I had no intention of... Stopping the other side of you. Stopping the other side. Yeah. Right. So um, I did really well. I was an amateur. I was, I was a two-time amateur champion. And I was uh, getting high. I would go and fight these kids and I would beat them. And I'm like, this is fucking easy. And uh, I don't know what it was. I guess I just had a natural ability to do it. Um Things got really bad, though, when, like I said, when I started doing the painkillers and I started getting involved with, like, doctor shopping and going doctor to doctor and, right. you know, getting pills and selling them. And uh, a good friend, uh, my, my best friend, he's actually right there in my cell. Oh, you can see him in the background. Yeah. He died. He's, like, my best friend. He Fuck. died of an overdose. I actually gave him the pills. You did? Yeah, and he died. And uh, that was, like, when I, like, fucking tailspinned out of control. What year was that? How old were you? 2010. 2010? I was 21. Right. Yeah. And, and October 12th or October 10th. October 12th, 2010. Yeah. Right. So, How did you get past that? I didn't, man. I used it as, like, a re... Uh, like no, I, I still, mean, I'm still not over it. <laughs> right. Uh, it was fucked up, man. It was fucked up, dude. And, uh... I so actually, I had I had fought my la- uh, he died three weeks later. I had my last amateur fight. I lost. I was like sniffing Noxicon day of the fight. I had no regard for anything at the time, and I remember being in the funeral home, and I'm in the bathroom sniffing Noxicon and the same drugs that he died from, and I just didn't give a fuck, dude. Right. And uh, I was in a really dark place. But, can I, can uh, I ask you, did, uh, does the family blame you to this day? How, how no, do... I've seen them. I've like visited them and had like lunches with them. And right. I would assume he, like he was going to find the pills no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like, I didn't make him. No, I just, you know. yeah. Well, that's why I want to make sure yeah. that you get I mean, that we were like, I gave them to him to sell. Right. And he wound up doing them. Okay. So, uh, but, so that was like October he died. And then I said, I got to get out of the city. And I moved to a gym upstate New York called Bomb Squad. And uh, that's where, like, uh, John Jones came out of. And Binghamton area? It's Cortland area. Yeah, yeah. Cortland. Okay. Binghamton area. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. So he, uh, he, John Jones was there. He left a month before I got there. Aljamain Sterling, a bunch of fighters came out of there. And uh, so I went there. And I, and I um, a month, I started training. I was actually... I was smoking weed, but I stopped doing opiates. I was like trying to clean myself up, and uh, I got offered a pro fight, and I took it and I won for CFFC Cage Free Fighting Championships. It's like the biggest regional promotion in the country, and uh, I won. Nice. And then I, uh, and then I relapsed <laughs> the next day or something like that in the casino. But um, that's how I tra- I made the transfer to to being a pro. Right. That was 2011. That was. February so, 4, 2011. So you were able to stay uh, off the painkillers while you're training for that first fight. Yeah, for like And then as soon as you won, pretty much the next day, you went right back to it. Yeah, I was like, well, this is cause for celebration. Yeah, yeah. And I was in the casino, and I remember, yeah, I used again. How do you feel at that point? Were you disgusted with yourself? or were After you... relapsing? Yeah. No, nah, I didn't give a fuck, dude. Even after winning your first I fight? I had no... 
I didn't. I was like, oh, should I do it? Yeah, I'm gonna do it, and I did it. I, I had no like desire of getting clean. I just wanted to like get. I love sober. your honesty, by the way, buddy. Oh yeah, I don't. Give I a didn't want me to call you buddy. That's that's what. But I love your honesty because most yeah. people would probably would have said, "Yeah, you know, I did feel uh-huh. bad, you know, because I had this other path I was going down." But I, I love that you said no. Uh-huh. I, you know, I the fight was over. I'm celebrating. Yeah. I'm going right back to that. Yeah, I wanted to get high, man. And then were you just completely out of control again? Oh yeah, I just went right back to fucking being a. Piece but you were still of shit. training and fighting though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's when I went to rehab for the first time. I went to Miami on this like ridiculous vacation like a drug fest and then i ended up in rehab i went down to miami and i went to rehab from vacation right like straight from vacation but was that really weird did you do it or someone said come on man give this a shot my ex-girlfriend lives in florida and she uh kicked me out of her house so i went down there like on vacation yeah and she kicked me out of her house and i had to i had no option but to go to rehab it was it was funny because it was my uh my brother had gotten sober like a year before that and he was down in florida and his AA sponsor from New York moved to Florida. Yeah. So my parents were, I was like, what do you, I was like, can you f- get me on a plane to come home? They're like, no, like figure out on your own. Like you're, f- you think you're, you know, a big shot. Like you could figure out on your own. And they're like, but Cole Rich, my brother's sponsor. So I called him and he's like, and this guy, like, this is what he does. He helps people. And, uh, he was like, um, where are you? And I told him where I was. And he's like, you know, uh, today's my wedding day. And I was like, I was like, oh, I didn't, I had no idea. I'll, I'll figure it out. And he's like, no, I'm coming to get you. On his wedding day, the guy fucking came and got wow. me, and brought me to fucking rehab. Wow. Yeah. And, but that one obviously didn't. Uh, did, did it work for a little while? That first rehab? No, I left like 17 days in. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I did some really fucked up shit there. And, and uh, what do you, <sighs> what do you think of rehab? Does you think it helps a, a lot of? Yeah, people? I mean, if you like uh, take it seriously. So and- I went in there. I was 22. I had no. Like I said, I had no, uh, you know, I had no desire to get clean, and uh, I was completely blind to the message, and uh, I didn't listen to anything they said, and I like I did some really fucked up shit when I was there, dude. I actually, I actually left. What, Mike? No, you gotta tell the fucked up shit you did there. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, I actually left, right? Yeah. My and my friend that I went to high school with here in Queens. He came. He moved to. He moved to Florida. He came and picked me up. I left the rehab on a Sunday, and like on a Sunday, like they just let you do whatever you want. It was like it's like an off day at the rehab, and uh, so I just like escaped out the back. No one knew that I left. So I go to Miami with my friend, and I buy a bunch of fucking pills, and I come back into the rehab, and I was telling everyone that I was in the rehab with that I'm going. So they were all giving me money. Oh, get me this, get me this. All right, I'll be back. I, I showed up six hours later. They still didn't know that I had left. And I snuck back into the property and I gave it to everyone. And they all relapsed. And the whole play, the, all the, the staff members knew the kids were high. And I didn't. I knew that they were going to test everyone, like like piss yeah. test everyone. So I didn't take mine. So they all got busted and kicked out. And, and I was like sitting there. And then one girl that I gave her pills, she went back to Staten Island and died the next day. What from the heroin, yeah. fuck, man? So it was like, that was like more blood on my hands. Right. And then like all these kids I'd gotten kicked out because they all tested positive. They tested me and I didn't take, because I knew they were going to test us. I didn't take the drug, so I didn't get, I didn't get kicked out. Yeah. But then I said, fuck this. And I left anyways the next day. And that was fucked up. I, I think about that a lot. I'm like, geez, I fucked up all those kids. So then you come back to New York and now you're still training and, and you're winning more fights. 
right? Yeah, so I like I come home. That was such a blur that time. I come home, I, I go back to using. Um, I actually went to a, a home. I, I, my parents wouldn't let me home. I went to a homeless shelter in upstate New York. It's like a homeless shelter, half treatment center called St. Christopher's. Yeah. I was there for a month. I got kicked out of there for fighting. I come home. Oh, now I'm on the needle, though. I learned how to use the needle when I was down in Florida. So I'm shooting heroin, shooting coke. And uh, at the time, when I was like, when I first started doing painkillers and Oxycontin was big, no one was really into heroin yet. And everyone was getting high on opiates. And then they got rid of the Oxycontin right. and everyone moved to, back to heroin. So now I started, now I progressed, my disease progressed to heroin and IV cocaine. And, uh, and that was like when it all got fucked up <laughs> so <laughs> oh before that it wasn't fucked up nah oh not yet no it got way worse for me yeah so um actually when i was down in florida i missed this whole part i got arrested for a home invasion robbery felony battery i was facing 25 to life but i beat the case because the kid that was supposed to uh testify against me it was like they never found him and he's been he like disappeared for some reason i don't know he's, so so you lucked out yeah he's actually dead now too that kid yeah. From what? I don't know. You just know he's dead. Yeah, but he's what, dead. You, bre- you broke into just some uh, random home? No, he was a, so what happened was he was a drug dealer. And, oh, okay. And I went, me and my friend went to rob him, the same kid that, uh, that uh, broke me out of the rehab. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you have a book deal yet? No, I, man, everyone keeps telling me that. I don't even know where to start. There's too many no, stories, I, dude. I, I keep forgetting. This, so much- this was me uh, writing for an hour. I got, I got sheets of uh, stuff on you. It's yeah, ridiculous. I mean, you got it. Like, I'm, I'm going to get you a book deal. I don't know what deal. to do. Well, anyway, so. So you uh, you and your friend. Yeah, we went to go rob a, a yeah. drug dealer. He lets yeah. us in his house. Yeah. I, I, I choke him unconscious and I steal his drugs and, and we run out of the house and we're like trying to pull out of his driveway. He had, my friend was like trying to get the key in the ignition. He finally starts his car up. We're pulling out of the driveway and the kid jumps out of the hedges and we run him over. And I was like, oh, we fucked up. He's dead. <laughs> We're going to prison forever. So the neighbors heard the commotion and called the cops. So when the cops came, he told them that, oh, I was sleeping. Some guys broke into my house and robbed me. I know who they are. Meanwhile, he let us. It's It sounds way worse than it really was. Yeah. Uh, I, I never broke into like a stranger's house. Sure. And beat them up and robbed them. He was a piece of shit drug dealer. And, um, and I robbed him. But uh, I got, but their charge the charge was home invasion robbery felony battery and actually I was guilty of that because so say so say you and your wife live in a house together and she kicks you out of the house yeah but you like want to get mail from the house yeah and you like try to and like she's at the door and you push your way into the door and steal mail that's home invasion robbery it's the same thing it's the same thing so it's like it's just like. It's bullshit. Even even though the it, you never went to prison, I mean, did you have to do some time during yeah, I was in, the, the I was arrest? In, and, uh, for three weeks, I was in. Three weeks? Yeah, in maximum security holding. What were you thinking? When, what, what were you thinking when the guy never uh, came forward to testify and then you were off the hook? Dude, so I'm, I remember my mom came down to the trial. Yeah. And I'm in like a blue Wait, jumpsuit. so you're sitting in the in the courtroom waiting for this guy to show? Yeah. And he never shows? So I'm sitting there. In a jumpsuit with like shackles on. Yeah. And my mom's there crying her, her eyes out. And, uh, and I remember, you know, I'm like, we're si- I'm sitting with all the other dirt bags, like waiting for our, 
you know, they have us all in there together, like as we're getting arraigned or whatever it is, the trial. And uh, I remember like they were waiting for the this kid to come testify. Yeah. And he never showed up and they just dismissed the case right there. Just like that. Dismissed. And then they unshackled and you and you like, went home with mom? I had no bond. Right. And I was facing 25 to life. If that kid came and testified against me, I'd still be sitting in fucking God knows where in Florida prison. Was, I'd it, probably be like in the Aryan Brotherhood. <laughs> and have like no option but to join some. A lot of face tattoos. Some, yeah, yeah. And, and have like a swastika on my chest. You don't seem to have uh, tattoos. I have no tattoos. No tattoos. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So. So that was like, that's not even, that's just like, that was whatever. What do you mean that, that's whatever? It was just like something that, that happened so long ago that I don't even think about it anymore. Not that long ago. What year was that? 2012. I got arrested September 12, 2012. We're only at 2018 here. That's six to years me, ago. To me, it feels like fucking forever You have lived ago. a life. How yeah. old are you? Like 28 years old? I turned 32 days ago. Turned 30. All right. Congrats. So it's funny though, because like I got out of jail that day. Yeah. And I was like, I got to get high because I was dope sick. And I had my first overdose that night. Got out of jail, had my first overdose with Mark, my friend that. He was a good guy too. I overdose, right? And he fucking steals the money out of my pocket. Who's Mark? He's like my, he was like my best friend. Right. He still is. Right. He's he just, still is. He's still fucking. He's just I wake up ball. and my, I wake up like my face is blue. Right. I can't move my right arm and my pockets are inside out. I'm like, Mark, where the fuck's my money? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, how long have I been out for? He's like, 45 minutes. He's like, you're making crazy noises, man. I was like blue. He's like, your lips were blue. And um, that was just like the start of it all, dude. Wait, what do you mean that was the start of it all? That it seems like that like, should be near the end of it no, all. No, 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 no. It got worse. It got way worse for me, yeah. It and got worse mentally, maybe not physically. So you don't get so he doesn't show up, you leave, and that night you OD for the first, first time. First time, yeah. Where the, were you when you OD'd? You the just, Hard Rock Casino parking lot in Hollywood, Florida. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to that hotel? I uh, know. It's a nice hotel. Yeah, yeah. It seems this. Awesome parking garage. <laughs> awesome parking, parking garage. garage is great for shooting dope. <laughs> And and the whole the whole way none of this is making you go man I gotta I gotta figure something new out here. You were no, still just sta- like, staying uh, staying the course. Dude, I was so addicted. Yeah, I didn't give a fuck. fuck. You just didn't give a fuck. You weren't scared to die. No. 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 I was like welcoming it. Right. And we were doing everything that we could to die. Right. Me and my friend Mark, we were running around Florida. We were in places that you were, it looked like Somalia. Some of the places that we were at, like trying to buy drugs. And we were like an overtown in Miami. It was disgusting. You've been there. Sure have. Sure have. Your Brian was probably like scurrying around somewhere behind me. I never, I didn't even know who he was. He's like some other crackhead. I remember, when we, I remember when we started this podcast, you said, and his story's worse? Dude, you got to hear his story. Well, we're going to talk to you. Yeah. I was in jail a couple months before him at the same jail. You were in jail. Say that again, because you were off. Money. Yeah, I was. In, I was in jail a couple months before. I think it was April for a few months, right before he got there. The same jail. And we didn't know each other either. We were just right. How long were we there for? We were there for a little while. Yeah, right? two months. And, and you've been sober the same time? No, a few no. years. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, 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 a little more recent. Yeah, yeah. He actually helped me out a lot. Uh, uh, I relapsed like five months ago. He had like six years sober though. Right. Yeah. Well, doesn't that scare you? Because uh, you said earlier that you're, you've been sober for three years. It doesn't really scare me, but like, what am I going to do? Right. If I relapse, uh, I fucked up. Right. And if I die, you die. Then I die. <laughs> but if I, you know, 
Yeah, but this is how I look at it. Like, so Ryan's been sober. Ryan was sober for six years. He relapsed, right? That's a pretty good track record for him. Like, he could have been getting high this whole time. Yeah, you know, he probably would have been dead if he was. But does that so, that doesn't? Scare, I mean, obviously, you don't want to relapse. But. but yeah, but that doesn't scare the shit out of you that after six years he he relapsed. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm just trying to see. No, no, where, no. I'm just trying to see where your head. I mean, at. it scares me. The thought of going back to that scares me. But like. I mean, what am I going to do? I can't like, I can't like mope around about it. Like, it is what it is. Right. There's and, other scarier things. And now back to the story. So you said that was yeah. the, that was actually the beginning. Like it got. That way was worse. like, yeah. That was just like me. Like I was just touching the surface there, with what like my addiction came to. Right. Yeah. So like I had I had visited a lot of physical bottoms, like deaths, and I've been in psych wards and rehabs and therapeutic communities and and all sorts of different institutions i've been in like 24 or 25 different institutions because of my drug use wow hospitals and and, and you od'd uh, like, a bunch three, more well, three times three total. times total how many times you overdose uh lost count <laughs> really yeah really yeah it wasn't uh most of them ended up with me just waking up somewhere right. i wasn't i was never hospitalized for an overdose so he's a pussy <laughs> I don't overdose that much. <laughs> no, um, but like yeah. So I, like I said, I'd visited lots of physical bottoms. Yeah, but like when I, I, but then I started hitting these mental bottoms, and like, like I experienced like mental anguish that you like can't describe. Right. You know, and that's when I was like, I can't do this any longer. Right. And you were getting arrested and, still for yeah. other, other things after the. Yeah, I've been arrested uh, eight times directly or indirectly because of drugs and alcohol. Right. Yeah. So then mentally it was starting to get to you and you said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I just like, and also like my parents, like, and uh, the people that love me, like we were like torturing their, I tortured their souls. Right. My mom would be like, every time the phone rings. Sure. Three, uh, phone rings at nighttime. What do I think? It's you fucking dead or the cops. Oh, we have your son. Right. Or, oh, we just found your son dead in a Barnes & Noble's bathroom or something like that. Well, it, any other incidences in there? I, uh, as far as overdoses? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think you I, I think you were uh, – oh, shit. Where did I write down? There's a lot. You, no, uh, recently – yeah, okay. Uh, you overdosed three times. Okay. And, and the last one was in 2015. That's Yeah, the, yeah. So And you were – I think you were declared dead on that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. I died a couple times. Did you see anything? <laughs> What you see? No, dude, it's so easy to die. You, so easy. What do you mean it's so easy it to die? It was the easiest thing I ever did. It was peaceful? Shoot, shoot a bunch of heroin. Oh, well, this is how it happened for me, at least. Yeah. Like, you know, when you watch a movie, someone overdoses, it looks like super violent and disgusting. Yeah. Like, you don't feel any of that. Right. You just shoot it. A warm blanket comes over you. Yeah. And you close your eyes. And that's it. You don't feel anything. You wake up and you're like, oh, what happened? Did, did you see the light? Did you see dead relatives? Nah, Give me something. <laughs> There was no one there, bro. Nothing. I think because like, all right. So I'm a, I'm a like I'm a I'm a big higher power God guy now, and uh, I think like he was like, no, it's not your time yet. I'm not gonna show you shit. Right. You know, you're not gonna die. What am I gonna show you? Okay. So I think it's like when you were actually gonna when you're gonna die, that's when you must see something. You know. So in your head, as you were uh, ODing, were you thinking to yourself, oh shit, this is it, I'm dying. And and if so, when you woke up, were you like, holy 
fuck. So I my last it. overdose was like it was. This uh, is the 2015 one. Yeah. So I was in like a, a Best Western on 21st Street and in Long Island City, right next to Queensbridge yeah. Projects, and and uh, I was like cooped up in there for like six days, and I was shooting massive amounts of cocaine and heroin, and and uh, I was so paranoid, dude. I was so paranoid. I thought there was like midget police in the room with me. I was like running through the hallways. People were like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like naked in the hallways at times. And I would like go in and out. I thought people were like, I was going door to door in the hallways, like looking under people's doors because I thought there was cops in the rooms. Yeah. It was insane. So finally, I just, and I was shooting cocaine. Every time I shot the cocaine, I would have like a massive seizure. And like I would, this is some sick shit. Every time I would shoot, I would put 911 on speed dial and I would shoot all the cocaine and I would start like seizing out. And if it felt like too intense, would I would hit 911. And then I would like fall out for like 30 seconds or like a minute. And I'd get up and I'd be like, oh, that was serious. And, uh, and the cops would be like on the line. I'd be like, oh, it was an accident. And I would hang up. And then they started like eventually like, calling like you can't you can't do that you can't do this like, yeah. how many times are you gonna accidentally call us right and I'm sorry it just keeps my phone you know how like the iPhone has that like yeah. when you swipe it it's got yeah, that yeah. nine one whatever I made up a bunch of excuses it was so, <laughs> oh but uh, I remember I was having so many seizures that every muscle in my body was hurting from all the contractions yeah and like I remember like my jaw like my my shoulders my traps like my Everything hurt. I couldn't even walk because my feet were hurting so much from from seizing out so much. And then finally, well, can I, I just, stop you there? Because yeah. when you OD'd in 2015, you were because it's important to the story. You were nine and one. Yeah, uh, I was nine and one as a pro it, it, at the time. It, yeah. As a pro in MMA fighting, you weren't. You weren't. No, I was still like, I was still like able to. Yeah, like, but obviously you had skills. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, if you're I beat nine, a lot of good guys, man. Yeah, you're nine and, and one, and you're you're addicted to everything in sight. Yeah, but you're still fucking still winning your people. your fights. Yeah, so I so I finally like shot enough heroin and cocaine to make me overdose for the third time, and I hit like a desk and like pulled a lamp off, like as as I fell, and the Nate, the person in the room next to me, called the front desk, and they called the cops, and they came and ripped me out of the out of the hotel, and this was Christmas. Day, Christmas Eve, Christmas the 25th is Christmas Day, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Christmas Day. So I went to the hot, I was going to the hospital and I'm like, yo, where's my drugs? And they were like, I'm like, where are we going? They're like, the hospital. I'm like, where's my drugs? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I can't, <laughs> they're like, you're not giving your drugs back. And I'm like, oh, all right. I'm like, and I remember being in, in the Amazon, I'm like, I'm in a lot of pain. Do you guys have morphine? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, are you fucking joking? You want more? You think we're gonna give you morphine? I'm like, come on, man! I'm really hurting. And uh, I woke up like a day. And I guess they gave me a bunch of um, halidol, which is like a tranquilizer type yeah. thing. And I fell asleep, and I woke up a day and a half later, and I and I was like, one more time. I ran. I ripped the IV out of my arm and I ran out of the hospital. I don't know. I have no sneakers. All I have is a t-shirt. And but I had a bunch of cash on me. So I was like, I was like, one more time. I ran out of the hospital and I bought more heroin. <laughs> and I showed up at home. I'm like, hey, my parents were like, you're a lot. Like they thought I was dead for sure because they haven't heard from me all Christmas. They they were for sure that I was going to die. Right. And they were pretty much right. And I'm like, I just need sneakers. They were like, we're not letting you in. I'm like, I just need sneakers and I'm tr I'm going to go to rehab. And I, I was really on my way to detox. I was like, let me just get high one more time. I'll go to detox. 
So it's funny. I went to detox, and I'm like, you guys got a bathroom? And I go in there, and I'm shooting heroin, and they come in the bathroom, and they're like, you got to get, like, you got to get the fuck out of here. Like, you and I'm like, come on, I just want to go high one more time and then go to detox. They were like, no, it's, it's not how it, it works. It doesn't work that you way. You can't bring drugs into the, yeah. so they actually brought me from, this was called Cornerstones, it was on Union Turnpike, in, right here in Queens. And I took a cab to Creedmoor, which is on the Grand Central Parkway, Alley Pond Park Road. It's like a psych ward, but they have an uh, alcohol treatment center. And uh, I was outside, I shot the rest of my drugs. And I went, oh, I'm sorry, I went to Flushing Detox and they brought me to Creedmoor. So I, I went to Flushing, I had to wait like six hours for, for a bed. And I went into Detox. And that was it, man. I've been sober since. So what, what, what happened that made you go, all right, I'm good? <laughs> Nothing? Dude, I don't know, bro. I just was like... Because, I mean, that's not even three years so, ago. Like, the only it's reason, coming up on three years. The only years. reason I wanted to, like, well, like when I came out of the hospital, like, I was super dope sick. Right. So I was like, I got to get high. Right. Because I feel shitty. Yeah. So I just wanted to get some drugs so I could feel all right and then go to detox. Right. So I was like, all right, so ha- being dope sick is like having the flu sure. times 20 with severe depression. That's what being dope sick is like. Can't imagine. Miserable. So just to get out of that is just, just so you can function normally... Is like what I was trying to do. I wasn't like, I mean, I was I wanted to get high, but like I just didn't want to feel shitty. But so it sounds like your mindset was starting to uh, yeah, get, so get a like, little different at that point. So though. it was like Christmas, yeah, holiday season. I missed Thanksgiving again. I missed Christmas again, and uh, and like when I showed up at my parents' house, they were like, they looked like sick. Like, they looked like they had the worst, like, last couple weeks ever. Like, they were, and they were so depressed. My younger brother wouldn't even look at me. My dogs, like, knew, I have three beagles. Well, I had two at the time. They wouldn't even. They didn't want anything to do with you. They knew. Yeah. Like, they knew, like, I was being, like, fucked up. And, like, I I just had this feeling. And I was, like, being in that, in that, um, that motel that week. Right. I was experiencing things and seeing and hearing things in my head that you never want to fucking experience. Right. And I just, I was in like prison inside my head. Right. So I, 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 ha- I had enough. And I also, at, the t- at this point, so leading up to that, I was like in and out of detox. Like I had this guy, Tommy, who was my AA sponsor and he wouldn't give up on me. He would bring me to detox. I would leave. I would go to rehab. I would leave. He would bring me back. I'd leave back and forth, and he wouldn't give up on me. He knew my dad for like 25 years, so he was he wouldn't give up on me, man. And, this, and he just kept bringing me, bringing me. So we went back to Flush and Detox like one more time. I went to Flush and Detox like six times in like a two month period, and I went to rehab like two. I went to other rehabs like three times in that period. So finally, I, I went back to Detox, and like I went to sleep that night, and I woke up the next morning. It was. The 27th, which is my sober date. So I got high on the 26th. 20, I woke up the 27th. It was the last time. Was was the first day I woke up sober in a long time. And uh, I remember sitting there like, it's about to be New Year's. I got nothing. No one wants to have anything to do with me. I just experienced like hell in my head. And I was just at this mental low of... Like that I've never felt before. Yeah, and that was it, man. And and I, so and also the biggest difference was was that 
I started to kind of listen to this guy, Tommy, and like listen to the things that he was saying. And it kind of like was resonating with me. Like he planted the seed, you know, and he planted the seed once before that, but it started to like take hold, you know? Right. And, uh, did it feel good to wake up sober that uh, day? Or I mean, it felt good because they also had me like on, uh, you know, like come off drugs sure, and stuff sure. like that. But I didn't have to shove a needle in my arm that day. Right. I didn't have to like go rob someone or steal money out of my mom's purse or right. or do some conniving shit to get my my fix. And so that was already like a freeing feeling, you know. And it's all, it's been almost three years. It will be three years this twenty seventh, yeah, uh, yeah. December twenty seventh. Any uh, any any physical issues because of all the drug abuse over the years? No, man. I don't know how. I should have like Hep C or something, some crazy shit like that. But, but you're good. I never. Because I mean, looking at you, you're in great shape. I'm like, I mean, I, I, know. I would never, I would never think that a story like that would come out of you. I um, know. And, and honestly, you probably don't even have to. You probably wouldn't have to tell everyone uh, this story, but you choose. You're choosing to tell the story. And, so, I mean, all right. So and, and we didn't even talk about the molestation at no, nine. No. This is a this is an hour tangent. I was actually going to go to that. We could talk about that now if you want. Do you mind? Yeah, let's do it. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> want to reenact it? <laughs> no. <laughs> you were nine years old at sleepaway camp. Yeah, and I got like. Um, do you think that led to yeah, the definitely. drug problem? It was definitely like a reason for self-medication. Were you smoking uh, pot? At, uh, no, this was before all the drugs and alcohol. Because at nine, you also started smoking that's pot. Like, so this is that's how you. So I was like eight, turning nine. So that's how you dealt with what happened to you. Pretty much. Fucking a man, I'm gonna get sick. All right, for gonna, real, I'm gonna get you sick. Sure, you wanna get? I'm gonna get you sick right now. Yeah. So I remember uh, being led away by this guy, right? In camp. He's like, oh, come with me. I'm like, where are we going? And um, so basically I had to like suck some cock and get fucked in my ass <laughs> by another man. He was like in his 20s. At nine. And it hurt so bad, dude. Oh, I remember. And I'm thinking <sighs> like, I remember thinking like, I guess this is like what people do. I don't know what to think. I don't even know. And I remember like I came home and I was just like. My soul was like dead. I remember my parents being, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "Nothing." You didn't tell. And anybody. like he was like, "You can't tell anyone," you know, like you can't tell anyone. The guy said this. Yeah, motherfucker. So he actually like, got caught in a child pornography ring, and he's in prison right now. And I actually talked to the feds about him. Right. So I actually dealt with this later on. Also, we didn't obviously because you didn't tell anyone him. until you were 23. 23 years old. Yeah. So how the fuck? And I understand. So this is how it happened. But, but no, I'm just saying, how the fuck do you keep that to yourself for 14 All years? All right. So I remember like going to school the next year. Yeah. Like back to like fall time, and I would think about it like during class, like the the action of having like him behind me, you know, and uh, and I remember thinking like, like I didn't want to think it. I didn't want to think about it. And, like, I, I started, I started, uh, I had, like, these mechanisms to make me forget. And, like, I would have this thought of, like, a guillotine coming down on my head and chopping my head off. And poof, like, the, the, the thought would go away. And it was just, like a, like, a mechanism. And I would just stop thinking about it. So I buried it. I buried it. I buried it. I buried it. And, uh, I mean, I would imagine, like, you know, I started getting violent as I got older. And I wanted to be, like, physical. I wanted to beat people up. And I wanted to, like get high i wanted to do everything i could to get out of, out of myself sure so um 
So I went to rehab at this therapeutic community in upstate New York. I was there for like six months. It was terrible. It was called Samaritan Village. Actually, it was a terrible – the place sucked, but it got me sober for 20 months. It was my first go at sobriety. And uh, so my mom – I talked to my mom. She's like, oh, this – you wouldn't believe it. This guy from Camp Canadensis got uh, arrested, one of the counselors, and he was in a – he got caught in a child pornography ring. I'm like, really? So I found – she sent me the article, and it's the fucking guy that raped me. So – I tell my parents and they're like, what are you fucking serious? And, uh, they wanted me. So my mom contacted the feds in Jersey. Cause that's where he got arrested. And they wanted me to come testify against this guy. And I was like, no, 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 no. Cause I had this, like, I, I always thought like when I get older, I'm just going to, I'm going to kill this guy. Yeah. Of I'll course. find him and I'll just kill him myself. Of course. And that's how I'll deal with it. Right. So I figured if I see this guy, I'm going to attack him. Of course. I'm going to fucking run across the room. I can't look at this guy in his right. eyes again. So I said, no, I'm not going to do it. My parents begged me. Oh, we can sue the camp and all this. I don't want to fucking do that. I don't want to do it. I can't go through with it. So the judge asked us to write a letter to him, to the judge, and explaining what happened. And they would use it as evidence against him. Fucker got eight years only. You only got eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whatever, man. I just God think. wanted me to get raped, I guess, and suck some dick. <laughs> so that's what I did, man. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Kinda it's the only way to fucking make light of it, you bro. Kinda got, you kind of got a good sense of humor. I, I, mean, gotta, I, I How else am I going to do it? Cry about it? But that's what led to everything else you just told us. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I didn't Do you qu- think you would have went down that road if that never happened to you in uh, Yeah, I was, camp? I was doomed. You, 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 no, either way, you were probably Yeah, I think gonna I was going to end up fucked up anyways. Right. Yeah, so That definitely helped, though. So why... Um, I think we I think we covered all of it. Unless there's another story in there you really want need Dude, to tell. But you want me to I, pull the stories out? You're no, you gave us you gave me no, it was in, not, yeah. incredible shit. Well, no. Wait, I had I had one more thing I wanted to say. Sure. Well, and I I got a lot to say. Okay. There's lots more to say, but hopefully no more heartbreakers. How can you not admire Jared's honesty, his strength to push forward and not let his past hold him back? Bravo, Gordon. I mean, he could have been anything if not dead. A gym teacher, a clown who books kids' parties, even a priest. But he chose to metaphorically and literally kick ass as a UFC fighter. God bless Flash. We'll put some contact links in the description so you can reach out to our resilient guest. Now let's take care of our fine sponsors, Greg. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. All you need is a computer with internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app. That means you can improve your mental health even if you've had trouble making time for it in the past. I see a therapist, but I also use the Talkspace app. It's wonderful. All of a sudden, something comes to mind that I want to talk about, and there I am on my phone uh, talking to someone from Talkspace. Get something off your chest whenever you need to. Talk about everyday challenges at work or at home or those damn kids. No, I love my kids. They're wonderful. Just chat about life, no leaving the office, and no judgments. Remember that therapy isn't just about venting your innermost thoughts or digging into childhood memories. It's also about practical, everyday strategies for stress management and living a happier life. Having a therapist simply provides you a designated person for you to talk to who is trained to listen and help you make positive changes. 
The Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life challenges we all face. To match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com slash Opie, O-P-I-E, and use the code Opie to get $45 off your first month and show your support for this very show. I would appreciate that. I love the people at Talkspace. Talkspace.com slash Opie. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Want to be confident every time? Well, get BlueChew.com. That's right. BlueChew has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. Check this out. They've got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so they work. Since they're chewable, they'll work faster than a pill, up to twice as fast. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And this stuff is cheaper than those other two, so this is a no-brainer. And let me let you in on a little secret. I just took a blue chew. <laughs> no. <laughs> Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line because Blue Chew ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit bluechew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code OPI. That's right, I just said free. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code Opie. I think I have to spell blue. B-L-U-E. B-L-U-E. Bluechew.com, promo code Opie. Back to Greg with his special guest, Jared Flash Gordon on Opie Radio. So, like I said, I look at you. You're you, you're going to be fighting in the UFC in December. Is that your first fight for the UFC? My UFC? fourth one. I, I do not know that, and I apologize because now you're my favorite UFC fighter. There we go, baby. Without a fucking doubt. Uh, anyway, I, I did not know that. I apologize. No, that's all right. Um, but no, no one knows me. <laughs> but um, so I look at you. You're in really good shape. You're you know you have a good record. Uh, you you do not have to tell these stories, and you could have kind of kind of hid this past more or less uh, a lot of it. But you chose to come forward and talk about this, and, and yeah. I think that's what you wanted to get at. at uh, now. Yeah. So I mean, when I was younger, before I had like really gone through like a lot of the stuff we talked about, uh, my ex girlfriend, who has played like a pivotal role in my life, she's a really smart girl. She's got all this insight, whatever. She went through a lot too. Um, she would always ask me. Like, she asked me one time. She like we were we like had broke up, and she's like, "I just have a question for you." She's like, "Why do you fight? Like, what is your?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? Why do I fight?" She's like, "Why do you fight?" And I was like, "Because I'm good at kicking people's asses, and I like beating people up." Like, well, what do you mean? Why do I fight? Like, yeah, because I want to make a living at it. She's like, "No, like why?" And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, "What the fuck is this girl talking about?" I had no idea like what she meant because I was so like. I was so uh, <laughs> I was so uh, blind to what she was saying. So, but now I know. Now I know. Like, it, it's not about me anymore, because it was all about me. It, me, Jared, 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 Jared. I want what I want when I want it. Fuck everyone else. It's not about me anymore. It's about helping other people. Right. And so, like, how do you how do you get to that point though? To the realization that you wanted to help other people and it's not about you anymore. All right. I mean, so, so I've like, so going back to her question, like now I know why I'm here and why I fight because 
I'm supposed to use my platform to help other people that suffered like me. Right. Sex victims and drug addicts. Right. I also want to help like troubled youth. Right. So I was definitely a fucked up kid. Right. <laughs> so like I was supposed to go all through all of this to come out the other end to use it in a positive way. Right. So now I'm like my goal is to use UFC as a platform to help other people. Unfortunately, I have to like like it's hard for me to get my I don't have like the capital or the resources to to do this. So I'm like I'm like trying to figure out any way I can to help other people. Right now, it's just it's stuff like this. Right. Like, if I can get my voice out there, maybe someone will hear me and they'll want to help me or or whatever the situation is. Um, I don't know what it is with, like, sports or people. Like, all right, so the regular person, like, they don't want to hear about, like, the good guy. They want to hear about, like, the asshole for some reason. Like, especially in fighting, like, they want the bad boy. Right. People want to be fans of the bad boy. Right. You know, um, I want to, but I want to help people, right. you know, and, and that's the goal. Like I want to become champion so I could have, if fucking LeBron James was on 42nd street right now telling everybody, Oh yeah, listen to me. Like don't do drugs and don't do this. You know, people would be all standing around and listening to him. So sure. that's the goal is to get the platform to actually help people. I, I think you could give some uh, people hope. Well, yeah. Because you came back literally from death. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple times. And, and you got, uh, <laughs> and you, yeah, no, multiple times and, yeah, you, got, yeah. and, you, and you got the skills. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, your story is amazing, brother. I mean, I, I've been doing this a long time. That's one of the this is the one of the craziest fucking Dude, uh, shows ever. Like people, like you said before, and like, I would imagine you're leaving out so much other uh, stuff because we just, you know, if it, I told he, you the things, you'd be like, "Wow, this guy is out of his mind." Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've talked to a lot of uh, MMA fighters over the years, and you know, I know Joe Rogan and all that, and yeah. it seems like you guys have a common thread that there's a lot of you guys that had. Some rough, uh, rough childhoods, and and that's what you know made you choose to to yeah, fight. I think a lot of athletes, you know, for sure, not just fighters. Definitely athletes in general. Yeah, but I think we're you know we're extremists, right? Like we want to go big or go home. So what do you what do you do to pass the time uh, as, and and stay away from the drugs and the? Well, alcohol? I go to meetings a lot, right? I do. I'm an a, a big AA guy, right? Um. You do and meditation. I other yeah, I, I every morning I do like meditation. I pray every morning. Right. I used to, dude. I was born to a, a Jew and a Sicilian, a Catholic Sicilian. Yeah, that's crazy, right we there. We sell. I went to Hebrew school as a kid, and we celebrated Christmas. Yeah, that, I understand that. So I didn't that's have what like you a, do on Long Island. I, I had have, so yeah. many Jewish friends that had the Christmas tree. I didn't have there. a bar mitzvah or communion, nothing, the confirmation, none of that. Yeah. So I was like, "What the fuck is God? God who? Right? What the hell are you talking about?" But now, like, now I get it. Are and you, I never thought I'd say that. Like, oh, it's, I'm are like you a, more organized religion or more spiritual? Because I well, I, I choose to call him Jesus, right? But I'm not like a Bible thumper per right. se. But uh, I don't know. I'm a born again Christian. I was oh. baptized. Okay. So uh, yeah, I lean towards that. I'm just com- it's just comfortable for me, and right. I like it, and and it, it makes sense to me, right? I'm like, I don't like. I had a tough time with organized religion. Yeah, and, I get it. And in recent years, I I got uh, into spirituality instead. Well, so it's something you. I think you can live. Yeah, exactly. Every day is spirituality, and it, it seems like to me. I'm just speaking for myself. Organized religion was more like. Well, you're kind of learning stuff, but are you really living it? And and then some of the stories were like crazy for me. Yeah, I mean, and now my definition of God is very different. 
I, I feel like God is literally everywhere, and it's not a guy yeah. on a cloud somewhere. Oh, no, and no. you know, I see it in nature. I see it in people. One hundred percent. I see it. Uh, I agree. And then when you start thinking about the universe itself, your it, your mind is just blown. Yeah. You know how many galaxies are out there? I don't know. Whatever. We're gonna yeah, yeah. we're gonna get That's real heavy topic, if we continue. Yeah, yeah exactly. But you, but but that's uh, what helps you through uh, these days. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I speak to like my sponsor almost every day, and uh, guys like Ryan. Right. You know, we help each other out, and, and I mean, are you are you Jonesing? Are you Jonesing for that that old life ever, or is it sort of right there in the back? Sometimes of your head? I'm like, sometimes I'm like, fuck the UFC. Let's go shoot some dope. Really? I mean, it's just like a fleeting thought. But uh, <laughs> man, but that's the thing is that I'm so no, fucked that, up that I'll throw it all away if if I ha- if like I have a bad day. But I mean, but, but I the whole said point, that, I said that earlier. I, I love your honesty about it because no, most no, people would yeah. would hide behind that. Like, nah, nah man, man, I'm fucking it's good. Possible, dude. Like, yeah, I did, dude. I was getting high for like 17 years. I've only been sober for three. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I know. I, I lived more than half my life a junkie. Right. Or a drug addict, whatever you want to call it. And and they talk about how you got to rewire your brain. I mean, and how do you do that? Just through trying to clean living and, and spirituality. and Yeah, that's that's what it's at, is the spirituality. Like, you need to be, like, uh, spiritually fit. Right. And you need to, like, you need to, like, set per, uh, certain principles in your life so you don't, like, when you're having a bad day, you don't go down that road because, like, it's easy for people like me and Ryan to just say, fuck it. Right. You know, and, and like, I think it's easy for a lot of people. They just do it in a different way. Right. You know, I'm addicted to all sorts of things. Sex. Right. Fucking food. Did the, did the, uh, did the molestation fuck up your sex life? No. Oh, good. No, I'm a fucking freak, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. At first I was like, man, am I gay now? And I'm like, if I am, whatever, dude. Fuck, I'm gay now. Fuck. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I really don't care about what anyone thinks about me, dude. That's, yeah, the, I, that's the greatest part about all of this. I, I figured that, like, that out about a half hour. Yeah, ago. yeah. We like. What what are the hobbies do you do to, to like? Is it all about training and fighting, or, or <laughs> dude? Or, or are you into people others? ask me this a lot. Uh, so yeah. it takes up a lot of my time, especially right. when I'm in camp. Right. You know, six days a week, three sessions a day. There's really not much time for much else besides right. eating and recovering. Right. Uh but like yeah, I like to do stuff outdoors. I feel like I'm on a date right now. Um, <laughs> I like to read. No, I do read though. Okay. Uh, but like, dude, meetings—that's another thing that takes up a lot of my time and helping other people. Right. That's the biggest thing for me. You get off on that. Yeah, it's like Where you can that's like one else? of the main things that keeps me sober. Do you talk to kids? I'll talk to kids like when it comes around. I'm not like out there looking for kids. So- no, no, I don't mean, I mean, but I mean, like, are you, <laughs> this guy's the best. <laughs> no, but I mean, is it a, no, no, is no. It a structured thing? Are you actually in uh, programs helping other people? Yeah, or is it more I mean, of a casual thing? So like I said, like, I haven't figured out, like, I need to figure out how I want to help people through my own way. Instead of like, like, I like so last night I spoke at an AA meeting. Okay. Uh, a couple of nights ago I spoke in rehab. Okay. So like. Uh, that's called H9. It's like hospitals and institutions. Like, So you go to hospitals or institutions, jails, okay. speak to the people there about substance abuse, alcoholism. Right. Uh, I've, I've spoken to kids before at schools. Okay. That's what I want to do is go to schools. I don't know if you know Chris, you know Chris Heron? I uh, know. 
He was a Celtics basketball player. He's got a great story. He had a documentary called Unguarded. It was 30 for 30 on ESPN. Well, I'll go watch check it. Check him out, bro. I, I'll definitely He's check it out. He's a fucking man, too. Okay. His story was retarded also. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to yours in a lot of ways? Yeah. It was different, but it was definitely similar. I, I, I'm going <laughs> to... It was pretty cool. I love those 30 yeah, for legit. 30s. I don't know why I never saw that one, Mike. Hands yeah. down, the best one they ever made. Hands down. Why the fuck did I never see it? Right, I'm going to watch it tonight, man. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah. So, like, that's like he does a lot of that. He's traveling all over the country, uh, going to schools, talking to kids about addiction, his story, sharing a story. And we saw him. Me yeah. and Ryan went to see him right here in, where was it, Westchester or something? Yeah. Some college over there. It seems there. like you and Ryan really lean on each other, man. Yeah, man. We do, bro. That's good. Yeah. I've seen, we've seen each other in some pretty shitty places, man. When he relapsed, were you pissed off? Dude, I walk into his house. His fucking door, he lives in an apartment down my cold block screen. It's like drug infested. And I go upstairs to his apartment. His door is wide open. There's fucking needles and shit everywhere. His, do- his dog is missing. He's got a big husky. He's like on the, he got on the roof somehow. And he's like, oh, what time? I rake him up. I thought he was dead. He's got like needles all over the place, bags of heroin. And, um, and I was like, man, you're a fucking loser. What are you doing? Tell him. Tell him what I said to you. Yeah, yeah get right on mic there, right? He came in, and he was like, uh, he was like, bro, you're pathetic. What the fuck are you doing? And I just, that's like pretty much, the, I remember seeing him like a couple times coming into my apartment. He was like, dude, you're such a loser. Like, <laughs> and you know what? Like, honestly, I mean, I was at a place in my life where, you know, I, I'd been in recovery and I'd been sober for a long time. And I, you know, I needed somebody like that's, that's the type of, uh, you know, when, when somebody says stuff like that to me or like they have to come at me a certain way, that's going to get me moving right. in the right direction. And, um, you know, Jared was showing up to my apartment every day. Like he knew that I was relapsed and he was showing up every day and he was to, close to death, man. Yeah. He was right there. And, and that was my, after six years. Yeah. And yeah. what was the thing that pushed you back into that? Um, I know it doesn't take a lot. I've been around long enough to girls. understand that. But what in your case, what was it? it girls? No, 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 no. I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was part of there it. Was, there, was, uh, there was a lot of things that happened. Oh, yeah. Well, there was, yeah. I was. I trained uh, martial arts with him, too, and I'd gotten injured. And uh, I was also – I wasn't going to meetings. I wasn't doing, like, the things that I needed to be doing. Right. So I was really uh, kind of straying away from the program. And, uh, you know, just a lot of shitty things happen at once. And when you're in, like, a lot of physical pain and – um, you know, it just becomes easier. Like if the doctor offers you, you know, some well, he fucking hurt his knee bad. He had like, he was getting shots in his knee. Then he got a staph infection in his knee joint and he was in the hospital for like four weeks and they were just giving him morphine, morphine. Dude, if I was in the hospital for four weeks, I'm a fucking heroin junkie. If they were giving me morphine for four weeks, I'm going to come out and I'm going to fucking shoot heroin. Well, well So I'm, that's what happened to him really. And, and I mean, you bring up something else. I know we're, we're trying to wrap this up, but you bring up something else, man. You see it over and over again. You, you got a high school kid, blows out a, a knee, playing yeah, football. Next thing it. you know, the doctors are, I mean, I, I have to say it, a bit on the lazy side. Next thing they're, they're uh, you know, prescribing these painkillers, not knowing if the kid could even handle it. And then there's no real program uh, to to go into to figure out what you do after you're off the painkillers. And next thing you know, they, you know, these doctors are uh, getting kids addicted left and right for, for stupid sports injuries. Yep. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, is that crazy to say or not? No, or not, not at all. It's- exactly how it happens and i almost feel like it's you know it's a bit lazy on the doctor's part you know the, yeah, obviously 
you know, painkillers uh, certainly help a lot of people out there, and they don't become addicted after they take them. But, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. I wonder if the doctors uh, in general know the seriousness of what they're prescribing. I think now sometimes. they do because it's, it's a fucking epidemic now. I, I hope people so. Are dying everywhere, everywhere. It's like disgusting. Yeah, but um. And you're doing all right now, Ryan? Yeah, I'm doing good. These man. motherfuckers are in way better shape than me. <laughs> They're like, this kid's fucking jacked. Look at him. I know. This is a junkie. <laughs> this is a junkie. Look at him. So, like, the last time I had saw him, though, like, yeah. Just to touch on one more thing, like, sure. I, I was like, let me just check on him. I was about to leave, move to Milwaukee because I moved to Milwaukee three months ago to train. And I was about to leave, and I'm like, let me just make sure this kid's not dead. So I run up to his apartment, and he buzzes me in. I go up there, and he's fucking banging away, coke and heroin. And I'm like, I'm my, was, I was like in a casino, dude. The lights were like, yeah, yeah. I was like, bad, holy bro. shit, dude. And uh, I'm like, listen, uh, you better go. To, you know, he had uh, like an appointment for the detox the next morning, which he went to and he got cleaned up. But I remember going home that night and like I fucking pulled the sheets up to like my eyes and I was just like, holy shit. Cause like that was like the closest that I might have like been to. Oh, so seeing him doing dude, all that. I'm watching, like, it doesn't get any closer than that watching someone shoot heroin and the drugs are right in front of me cocaine right. and needles and spoons like I hear, every- I hear you actually get addicted to the, the oh, feeling yeah, the of the shooting, needle yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's the best feeling and, was but, the best but that feeling. scared the fuck out of you because you were that close yeah, to maybe I mean, like, joining them there's fleeting thoughts yeah, yeah, yeah. I could just one more time dude Milwaukee's just... rough man you're up in Milwaukee it's terrible. you like it that's no, good. I'm in like the suburbs. Okay. And uh it's really nice. It's all all right. Um people and and like uh <laughs> it's very nice <laughs> you just and give me a visual. I'll just leave that it's one. It's very out. nice and suburban and uh <laughs> I live across the street from the gym, so it's perfect for what I do, man. What are you doing in New York? I came home to so I'm fighting December fifteenth. Yeah. I was gonna. I would have. Bur- I was training like an animal over there. I would have burnt out if I just stayed there and kept training till my fight. And my birthday was two days ago, so I figured let me go home for three weeks, and I'll come back. My teammate Anthony Pettis is fighting. He's the co-main event of the Conor McGregor card. Right. For, he's fighting Khabib. Connor. Yes. So I figured let me. You know I'll come back. I'll help. I'll help Anthony. His brother Sergio's fighting also on the card, and then. Uh, so I'm gonna go back help them. Then I'll start my camp. Being in this uh, neighborhood again. Uh, no, nah, I'm fine, dude. I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, I got like. Now I feel well, like- I have so much support here that it's right. like. You're good. It's great. Yeah. All right, two last things. So, sure. where are your parents at these days? Story of Queens. And they're doing good? Yeah, they're great, man. My dad's business is fucking killing it. Right. It, He's doing great. Isn't the story of very Asian these days? Asian? Yeah. Not at all. Greek still? It's very mixed. I started in uh, Astoria, and then we moved out to Long Island. Mixed area ever. It, it used to be very Greek back Greek, in the day. Greek, Italian. Now it's very. Well, Flushing is more the Asian. That's 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 like now it's all hipster. Uh, oh really? Yeah, but it's hipsters not like, and Asians. There's no, there's not many Asians in Astoria. <laughs> no, I mean Flushing. Yeah, Flushing. No, I'm talking about no. Astoria is very hipster. No. Yeah, Flushing is still very Asian. Because we used to take the long way uh, to Long Island, we would go on 25A, and now you you'll you'll go miles without seeing one English sign, man. It's Dude, amazing what's happened to is that like area. China. Yeah. yeah it's, it's... Not that there's anything wrong with it. No, I don't got problems. I like yeah, I love Chinese food. 
Asian, Japanese Asian girl looking at us. I like, I like Asian. I have a lot of Asian friends. Actually. We love Asians. It's yeah. just weird what has happened to Flushing. I, one English sign. That's all I'm asking for. It's very Asian there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay. So your parents are doing okay? Parents are great. Awesome. My, brothers, my older brother is sober that was my next for a while. Question. He's, he's great. Uh, my younger brother is the, actually the youngest uh, custom guitar builder in New York City. Yeah. He just sold, he sells he sells them to everyone. Keith Urban, he sells them to all these famous guys. Oh no kidding. Yeah, he's not in, he's not a drug addict. Right. He sold what me and my brother did and he was like, fuck that. And your older brother's doing uh how long has he been sober? Seven years. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Long time. He was a one and done. That was it for him. Yeah, he was like, Oh I'm sick of this. Jared Flash it. Gordon, man. This was uh wow. So, a, so the whole amazing. point is now I'm trying to help people. Yeah. If anyone's fucking listening right. and they want to help me help people, help me help people, please. That's I, what I want to do. I, I, I think I you got to write a book. <laughs> I don't know how to write a book, man. Dude. You got to help me out. You know how they do it no, I got to get a ghostwriter, I know. Not even, I've looked into it. Not even a ghostwriter. They, uh, they put a tape recorder down. And just talk. And then you just talk. Uh, and then and then they take it and make it into a book. And you, forever, and, and you look like a fucking genius. Well, I am a genius. but Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right there. but <laughs> No, you need to write a book because, I mean, who wouldn't read this? Yeah, you're right. Who I the don't know. fuck wouldn't read this book? You know what I was thinking, though? Like, I'm only 30. I just turned 30. What about the? Was I, there mean, I guess I could die tomorrow, so I should write a book now. But but was there a time where you're like, "There's no fucking way I'm making it to 30? Oh, of course. Yeah. All right. Um, let's get the, some plugs. How do people follow you? Uh, 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 on Instagram, Jared Flash Gordon. I'm going to follow you immediately. Twitter, J Flash Gordon MMA. Okay. I think. Yeah, that's it. You sure that's it? Yeah. And Dana's been cool to you. Yeah. Wait, Mike's encouraging you. Don't fucking get no, him in no, trouble. No, no, no. Uh, I know Dana White. So this, I know, I know it's Dana a business, White well. man. It's a business, man. I understand that. And like he, uh, you know, like you gotta, you gotta, like that's what I'm trying to do, man. Is fucking get in the spotlight so I can fucking help people, right? And get UFC behind me so I can help people, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, so obviously, that's what I want to do. So obviously, you need to train your fucking. Balls I need a win, off, and you need a win like, in December. And then another win after that, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're doing more yeah. of these type of shows. Have you done Joe Rogan's yet? No. You're made for Joe Rogan. I'll Joe Rogan doesn't fucking know me, bro. Don't matter. I'm saying, though, I'm trying to get the recognition here, and, like, no one gives a fuck about we the We run in the same circles, and uh, the people are listening right. to this podcast. Uh, Joe well, Rogan. Tell gonna, fucking Joe. Joe. You'll be on Joe Rogan's podcast. I got a lot podcast. to say to him, dude. In a good way? Yeah. <laughs> I swear, I'm serious. No, go, I'm trying to tell the world, man. We go way back. He he credits uh, me and my old radio partner Anthony for for uh, him doing what he does now. Dude, he he saw how much fun it's we my, were doing. It's like a dream to get on his show, so I could like it's the biggest podcast right in the country. Something one of the biggest podcasts. Yeah. He, so he kills like, it. let me get on there so I can so fucking all these. Yo, bro, I do all guys. Right. I do all right. I'm not saying I'm doing, you don't. I got numbers. But that's the that's the <laughs> that's numbers. the point though. You know, I want to help people, man. That's my goal. I'll be honest with you. I want to go on Joe Rogan to help my podcast. I, I never you, thought I would uh, say that, but uh, yeah, he's just crushing it. And yeah, you will be wrong. on Joe Rogan because right. people listening to this podcast are going to now start tweeting Joe like fucking. crazy. Crazy going, we got a guy for you. Come and then on. you could credit me for fucking getting you on Joe Let's Rogan. Go, How man. about that? Is that good enough? I got all these oh. other jerk offs in MMA. Right. Who who the f they got they, dude, I'm a good fighter and I fucking have an awesome story and I want to help people. Yeah. These other guys, they're the fans MMA fans suck, dude. Right. Play I'm, play hard to get. 
Joe Rogan's going to want you and just play hard to get a little bit. Like, ah, oh, Joe, I don't what know. What am I, a man. hot girl? <laughs> <laughs> Go, Joe, you know what? I don't know. Joe, you know, you know. I'll think about it. probably say, all right, no problem. That'll be the <laughs> last time, time I heard from him. Next time I'm in LA, maybe I'll look you up. Just do that for me. All right. For me. <laughs> no problem. Gotcha. All right, man. Fuck, for real. Jared Flash Gordon. Happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you. And thank uh, you. the fight is uh, December 15th, 15th, right? Milwaukee. And who are you, who are you fighting? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his first name. I think it's Jao Quim or Yao Kim. Okay. Silva. Okay. He's a tough guy. Right. But you got him. I'm gonna go do what I do, and that's it. Uh, I will win. I, I I hope we continue to hear uh, hear about you, man. Oh, you're gonna. Uh, that, I love it. Yeah. All right. I, I, and I really appreciate you coming uh, in and doing thanks this. Thanks for stuff. having me. Seriously. And Ryan, fucking keep it together, you motherfucker. <laughs> he's gonna be. He's gonna be fine. <laughs> what do you do for a living? Uh, I mean, you're obviously friends with uh, Jared, but he works um, at. Um, Chippendales. Yeah. So jacked is? Yeah, bro. Man thong. That's all I do. <laughs> Just thrusting away on the stage. I don't know. I don't That's know. where I met him, really. I don't even know what to believe yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't even probably, know. I'm a salesman. Yeah. For a food company, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You look familiar. Do I? Yeah, where are you from? I food. L- Long Island? No, I'm from uh, Westchester, Putnam County. Okay. He sells sausages and peppers. Sausage. Oh, sausage. Best in the business. All right, man. All uh, right. That's it. Joey, Thank t- you. take it away. I, I need to take a fucking shower. I'm sweating. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. We, we, Mike, we do have one other story. One more. Where he fought, where he fought those guys, and then uh, Dana White started uh, paying attention to him again. Well, he put... Want to tell the story? The clip went crazy viral. It was on every station, every yeah. newspaper. I, I mean, there's so much with you that I'm like, oh, I think we covered it all. But it's one of the most important stories. You want you want to walk me through that real fast? Yeah. Um. So this was uh, December 22nd. I have this thing with like the holiday season. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But, uh, so I'm at my barber shop. My friend owns the barber shop. It's four blocks from my house, and I'm sitting there. There's like an hour wait. I, my friend walks in, longtime friend of mine. I've been training jujitsu. What year is this, by the way? This was last December. Oh, okay. So it's only uh, not even a year ago. Yeah. Right. So yeah. my friend walks in, hour wait. I'm like, hey, what's up? Let's go across the street to eat, and then we'll come back. He'll hold our spot for us, whatever. So we go eat. We're walking back across the street, and he goes, oh, that kid right there that is walking towards us, I used to teach him jiu-jitsu. Okay, I've never seen the kid in my life. So they start talking. We're walking, drinking a cup of coffee. We get to the back. We get back to the front of the barbershop where that's now where the camera has us on. You know, right on, right on camera. Surveillance, right? Surveillance. And uh, I'm just standing there drinking a coffee. I've never met this kid in my life. My friend, who is like 40 years old, is talking to this kid who's like 23. He was his jiu-jitsu coach. They're just talking about whatever. I don't even remember what they were talking about. And out of nowhere. These two guys just come. They spit in the kid's face. He walks around the kid and throws a punch at him. And I'm thinking, because they, I didn't see them until they were right up on us. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, this is a, like they're playing around or something. Like, yeah. this must be a joke. It all happened so fast. Right. So my friend's like, hey, what are you doing? And he gets in the way. And the kid, like, hits my friend's hand, like, out of the way and, like, postures like he wants to fight. So now I. That's when I react. I drop, I drop the cup of coffee, and I, uh, I go and fight. <laughs> so I don't like to punch on the street people in the face because I break my hand every time I punch someone in the face on the street. So I grabbed them. I start kneeing them in the face. I did hit, hit them with a couple uppercuts, but my friend starts fighting the other kid, and they bump into us, 
and I hit the window pane of the barber shop. My shoulder hit like the middle of the window. And it felt like I hit like a baseball bat, like right in the sweet spot. Yeah. And the window just boom, just shattered. shattered. And the wow. whole thing came down on me. Right. And cut my hand right open. And we wound up getting off camera. I take the kid down. I beat him up. Unfortunately, that wasn't on camera. I was pounding his face. And they ripped me off of him. The barber comes out. Of, my friend comes out of the barbershop, rips me off him. And that's when I realized my hand is wide open. And I got really unlucky because I, I got 21 stitches. Uh, I get the stitches out. I start training again. Uh, two days, three days after I get the stitches, I sign a contract for my for my third fight of U- in UFC. And you know, I had like six or seven weeks uh, of of time. So I was like, all right, my hand will heal in two weeks. I'll train. I'll be fine. Ten days later, I get stitches out. I start training again. My middle finger comes open, like way worse than it was originally. It hurt so bad. I was training. It just popped open. I get stitched up by a plastic surgeon. A week later, I'm walking Grand Central Station. It's pouring out. I slip down the escalator Jesus. in Grand Central Station. Yeah. Slam my hand on the floor. I look at it. It's bleeding a little bit. I clean it up. Next morning, I wake up, and my finger is like the size of a sausage. Completely infected. I go back to the plastic surgeon. He opens it up, drains it, cleans it out, and now stuffs it with gauze. So now I have a huge open wound in my finger. And that was January 15th. A month later, a month later, I fight. My hand was wide open for the whole training camp. I didn't spar. I didn't do jiu-jitsu. I couldn't wrestle. I just shadow boxed and ran. But I truly believe nine or ten times I beat that guy. Right. I did go into that fight and get kicked in my dick twice in the first minute. And uh, I wound up losing. But, um... But uh, all that happened, and I think this all happened because I needed to make the jump to Milwaukee. Right. If I went, if this didn't happen, I won my next fight, and, and I fought and won, uh, why would I leave? Right. If, why fix something if it's not broken? But I truly believe that this has this hand injury and then losing the fight has got me to the next level right. of training, where which is where I need to be. And uh, so those, those kids, you know, I beat those kids up. The cops came because people were calling the cops. And... Um, we told them what happened. We showed the footage, and they were like, "Look, we can press charges, and it's clearly self-defense, but we can't make that decision. The judge has to make the decision that it's a self-defense thing. So if you press charges and we go arrest these kids, they're probably going to turn around and say, "Hey, they started with us, and we have to arrest you also. So do you want to go sit in jail right now and have to go through a court process?" So I said, "Ah, fuck it." And the kids. I, of course, the most experienced guy that fought in that street fight got injured the most probably, even though I, I beat that kid up pretty good. But now look at my hand. I, I, have, a, yeah, I, I, I have like 50%, 50% of this finger. Like I can't bend the, the tip right. of it. And uh, I, I could get surgery if I wanted to, but I'm not going to because it's just not worth it. And I, I don't have a problem now. I don't have like any grip problem or anything like that. And when I punch, it feels fine. So, yeah. But it was very unlucky, unfortunate. But I was defending my friend and this kid who yeah. didn't even and, help us fight the guys. And the video went viral, and then yeah. it, it got the attention of Dana White? So, I don't know if, if Dana... I'm sure he got caught wind of it, but I didn't hear that he did. Okay. So, what happened was, I fought, and I didn't tell anyone about my hand. I didn't fucking say, oh, the reason I lost was because I fucking hurt my hand. Like, I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. But then, like, I was sitting around waiting for a fight. I wasn't getting a fight. And I was kind of, like, out of, like, the I wasn't relevant. So I was like, you know what? Let me tell Ariel Hawani, who's, like, the major MMA uh, outlet. And uh, I was like, I'll leak the video. I'll leak the, the news of what happened. And uh, it went fucking viral. 
he had me on over the phone. He showed the video. He showed the pictures of my hand, and it went viral. Every like news outlet picked it up. Right. The Yahoo Sports, New York yeah, Post, yeah. all the big news outlets, and uh, and it was it was like yeah, it made me a little relevant again. There you go. Yeah. I, I, we almost forgot to tell that story, so now we can end. All right. Yeah, we got to get Jared out of here. Jared Fleshgord, once again, thank you. Fighting thank December fifteenth in the UFC. This was uh, uh, an amazing, uh, an amazing. I don't know how long we do. An hour and a half, probably. A l- hour and a half. One forty. So, Joey, now you can take it away. When this guy becomes champ, news outlets will be slicing and dicing this podcast to bits. Thank you, Jared, for being honest, courageous, and mostly for not kicking anybody's ass while over at the Westwood One Podcast Network, especially Mike, our producer, who I'm now going to refer to as Off Mike. I felt bloated the whole morning. Oh, did you, Mikey? On episode 40, Greg and Carl ranted about the nuisances on Twitter. Well, we wanted to let you know that it ain't all bad. Every so often, you get a good one. We know you're out there following at OB Radio, and we see your little beacon shining. Sure, it's buried in an infested sea of scumbags, but it's people like you who defend our podcast. You engage with us, share your likes and dislikes. You're civil, a cool mofo. You share us, you tweet and retweet. Like I said, we know who you are and we thank you. But if you don't hear your name this episode, hang in there. Opie Radio Followbacks. So let's look out into our magic window and give a great big Opie Radio Followback to the following. Now I might get a few of these wrong. Excuse me if I do. At Mark Fusetti. At Chef Lou F. Word. At Red Kettlebells. At Belinsky. At Brian Clowder. At Cigar Reel. At Opie Quotes. At Stunt Brain. At Saber Chef. And at our friend E.B. Guitar Man. Follow them on Twitter because, like you, they get what we're doing here. Now, you already know to subscribe at Apple. I'm guessing you shopped at opiradio.com and you've rated us five stars a few times. And with a few kinder and gentler comments thrown in there. So let's get out of Dodge, as a good friend of mine likes to say. Until next time, thanks for listening to Opie Radio. Westwood One Podcast Network. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. This week on Westwood One's Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon, we celebrate David Bowie with Todd Rundgren. Also, 50 years of the MC5 with Wayne Kramer. And back for a second go-round, it is KK Downing of Judas Priest. Check it out. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Download and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Westwood One Podcast app. Free from the Westwood One Podcast Network. <laughs>